Yo, what's good, YouTube? Welcome back to another episode of the Shooter Straight Podcast. It's your co-host, Zach. I'm your co-host, Blue. And welcome back to episode 24. First and foremost, thanks, everybody, for all the previous support on all the other episodes, including episode 23. Uh, we appreciate all the support we got on that episode. A lot of the clips on that episode did very, very well, so we appreciate all the support. And, you know, check us out on all the social medias down below in the description box. You know, we're trying to run it up on all these different uh, social medias. You know, we got the Reddit, we got the Twitter, we, we know all this stuff coming soon. So, you know, check us in on all those socials in the description box. And while you're down there, hit that big red subscribe button right there because currently we are on the road to 1,000 like always. And right now we're at 277 as of recording. So we appreciate all the support, all the subscribers that came in from last episode in the clips. Appreciate it. And we hope y'all enjoy this one. And we continue the comments and the engagement. We always have people to tell us to continue, continue going with the podcast and with all the support. And we appreciate it very, very much. And I think we're ready to shoot us straight into it. Exactly. You ready to get into this? Yeah, let's go. So let's go ahead and get into the NFL like always. And we want to go ahead and kick it off with our week seven NFL pick em. You know, we've been doing the pick em series and, you know, we've been doing pretty good on our picks, some would say. So you ready to get it in week seven going? Yeah, let's go. Week seven NFL pick em. Let's go. Browns versus Ravens. I'm taking the Ravens. I got the Browns. Bucks versus Panthers. I'm taking the Bucks. I got the Bucks. Falcons versus Bengals. I'm taking the Bengals. I got the Bengals. Lions versus Cowboys. Taking the Cowboys. I got the Cowboys as well. Giants versus Jags. I'm taking the Giants. I got the Jags. Packers versus Commanders. Got to take the Packers. Yeah, the Packers. Colts versus Titans. I'm taking the Colts. The Colts. Texans versus Raiders. I got the Raiders. Got the Raiders. Jets versus Browns. I got the Jets. I got the Jets. Or the Broncos, I mean. There's the Broncos. Chiefs versus 49ers. I got the Chiefs. Got the Chiefs. Seahawks versus Chargers. I got the Seahawks. Got the Chargers. Steelers versus Dolphins. I got the Dolphins. Got the Dolphins as well. And Monday Night Football, Bears versus Patriots. I got the Patriots. I got the Patriots as well. Wow. So we got some interesting picks there. Um, first and foremost, I think you wanna, we want to go ahead and talk about the 49ers. I think arguably one of the biggest moves in the NFL. Uh, it's not quite the trade deadline yet, but this is arguably a, a game-changing move. Christian McCaffrey traded from the Carolina Panthers to the 49ers. I'm going to go ahead and transfer this to Blue first. What are your initial thoughts on this move? People are saying that it's a 49ers dub and everyone's celebrating. All the 49ers fans are going crazy. However, CMC is prone to injury. And unless he's able to fix that, I don't think it'll be good for them. Because at the end of the day, the Panthers are going to win because they're going to get good draft picks. Mm-hmm. Although they weren't able to get a first-round pick like they originally wanted, they were still able to get a lot of good draft capital, including a second-round pick, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick. So they're going to be able to build their squad up. And let's just be honest, the Panthers need all the help they can get right now. Of course, they got to rebuild. Exactly what you said, rebuild. Rebuilding is the key for that team. Yeah, and obviously they're looking into the future. It'll be interesting to see, you know, where they go. You know, I think some would say they're going for the number one pick in the NFL draft. You know, they're eyeing a quarterback. I don't know exactly what their plans are, but it looks like they're kind of clearing house and going for the tank. However, I think that this is overall, this is a great move for the 49ers. Like you said, there are some concerns. You know, obviously we all know if Christian McCaffrey is healthy, he is one of the most dynamic backs in football. He can do it all. He can catch. He can run. He, between the tackles, he can, he can run outside the tackles. He can do it all. He can pass block. There is nothing on the football field Christian McCaffrey can't do. When he's healthy. Exactly, when he's healthy. That's obviously the biggest question mark in this, and that's why I can't give this overall trade. I can't say that this is an A-plus home run trade for the 49ers. I think that this is, a, is an A-minus. 
you know, if I have to give it a grade, I'm giving it an A minus just because of the fact we do not know at this very moment if CMC is going to be able to stay healthy. You know, I, I think ultimately this comes down to his health. Ultimate look, of his last 33 possible games Christian McCaffrey could have played, he's missed 23 games. He's only played in 10 possible games out of the games that he could have obviously played in for the Panthers. He's just obviously very injury prone, and it, 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 I think that's obviously the biggest concern for everybody here. Yeah, I definitely don't think it will make him contenders or anything like that. The 49ers, man, they're just going to stay where they're at. Yeah, they're all right. They're they're a decent they're a decent team, but nothing special. Well, if if he if he gets hurt, like I think some expect, obviously I think that will be the case. However, I think Kyle Shanahan is an offensive genius. I think we all kind of know that. And if Christian McCaffrey is healthy, we've seen what he can do with with let's just be honest, some bum running backs, some guys that you never even barely heard of. Now he has a cemented top back if he stays healthy. Kyle Shanahan, I think he's going to be able to work wonders with Christian McCaffrey. It ultimately just comes down to his health. And he's, the, a, he's only made Debo Samuel better. Yeah, exactly. And, and that just goes to show just how dynamic of a mind Kyle Shanahan is. He's one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the NFL, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, he's only 26 years old. However, with, with so much wear and tear on his body, you know, he's probably got the body of a 30-year-old, you know. And, and although Kyle Shanahan is, is an offensive genius, we have seen almost all of the 49ers running backs get injuries. For some reason, whether it be a Shanahan scheme issue or just the 49ers curse, their running backs always get injured. Oof. And now they're getting arguably one of the most injury-prone running backs in the game. If he's healthy, this is a home run uh, pickup for the 49ers. And I think, honestly, if he stays healthy, this could take them into the contenders, potentially to make the Super Bowl out of the NFC. But I just, I personally don't think that he'll be able to stay healthy. I just don't. I, I don't have much faith in him able to do so as well. I'm just going to hold up, uh, you know, nobody likes a, a hypothetical scenario. Obviously, we're banking on a lot, for, you know, for me to say he's going to stay healthy. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say I know he's going to stay healthy or anything like that. I'm just going to assume for, for sake of argument that he does stay healthy. If he does stay healthy, this 49ers team has went from a very good team to arguably the best team in the NFC. We know with how good that defense can be, and they've been a little banged up to start the season. Now they add a dynamic running back. It's only going to help Jimmy G more. You know, you need to have a lot of weapons around Jimmy G. They have Debo. We, we know how versatile he can be. We know how versatile CMC is. I think he'll be able to help out Jimmy G, take some of the pressure off of him. And let's be real. We've seen Jimmy G lead this team to a Super Bowl. We've seen him beat Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau Field, take him to the NFC Championship game just last season. He has that... Kind of championship pedigree, although he hasn't won the ring. He's taken him there. I have no reason to believe that he can't do it again, especially given how kind of weird the NFC is. Outside of the Eagles being undefeated, there is no clear-cut front runner in the NFC at this very moment. It's hard because Jimmy G just makes too many mistakes when he's throwing the ball. Yeah, I, I think obviously that's a concern. However, the 49ers, and they, like, at least they have been in the past, they have been good enough to make up for any kind of mistakes he does make. And will that be the case this year? I, I don't know. However, I, I'm going to be super intrigued to see just how this offense executes and how it plays because, you know, CMC hasn't stayed fully healthy for a while, but if he's able to do that, this offense is going to be fun to watch, man, and I can't wait to actually watch it. Yeah, it's going to be some great ball if, yeah. if he does stay healthy. However, uh, we don't know if that's obviously going to happen. and I, I, I kind of have my doubts. I think you do as well. 
I know another game you wanted to talk about was the Cowboys with Dak being back. Yeah. Well, obviously, we've been waiting for the return of Dak Prescott. We've talked about uh, the Cowboys a lot on the pod because, not going to lie, I was a fan of Cooper Rush. I think Cooper Rush did exactly what he needed to do. Of course. He steadied the ship. You know, I, I think after Dak got hurt, there were some question marks with the Dallas Cowboys. We weren't sure exactly just how good this team was. Cooper Rush came in after the injury, steadied the ship. We know how good this defense has been around Cooper Rush. And let's be real. And he played it safe as well. My bad to cut you off, but he played it safe. No, he, he played it safe. And, but, some, you know, a little bit too safe. That's what's a little bit, you know, we saw it against the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. It held the, it's held, hold the, it, it held the Cowboys back in terms of what they could be. We know Dak Prescott, we know what he can be in the NFL. We know he's got the arm talent. We know he can run. We know who Dak Prescott is. And we know he's, he's arguably a top 10 quarterback in this league, you know. With Cooper Rush, the Cowboys only averaged 17.3 points per game. That is not going to get it done of in the course. NFL. The only reason it got it done was because the Cowboys' defense, defense was so elite. And they were able to pretty much hold a lot of teams to, to less than they were scoring, obviously. We know that this defense is elite. And now you're going to add Dak Prescott back into this team. That offense becomes 10 times more dynamic. And I think the Cowboys are really scary going forward. We're just talking about the 49ers being a contender now in the NFC. Let's not sleep on the Cowboys. We know the Eagles are good. We know it's going to be a tight race between the both of them. Let's not sleep on how good the Cowboys are going to be with Dak. I can agree, definitely. He only, he only played in one game this year, but he just didn't perform as well uh-huh. in, in the game. So I just I don't have that much faith in Dak. Like being like a Super Bowl, going to the Super Bowl, anything like that. However, he is an amazing player. So I do think... He'll be competing for years to come. Yeah. Obviously, they want Dak playing over Cooper Rush. You know, some people tried to make Obviously. it out to be a, a quarterback controversy. Even, even you know, we did a little bit, you know, because we saw just how they, they kept winning games. And when you're winning games in the NFL, there is no reason to replace. Of course. Obviously, that came to an end. And it, it, was, it was fun, well, like, talking about Cooper Rush and enjoying the Cooper Rush experience while it lasted. However, let's just be honest here. Cooper Rush was not great by any means. I'm sure we all had a feeling in the back of our mind that Dak Prescott was coming back. Well, and listen to this. Cooper Rush held this team back on on the offensive side of the ball. He was arguably the worst third-down quarterback in the NFL. This statistic, he only completed 22.2% on third down. 22.2%. Damn. He, like, literally... That, like, he can't get a first down. He can't buy a first down on third down. If he gets the third down, Cooper Rush was literally almost ineffective. And it doesn't come down to coaching because at the end of the day, it's the Cowboys. It's the same coach. So it's, like, it's, it's the same scheme. It's the same if, scheme. At the end of the day, exactly. Cooper, Cooper Rush isn't able to extend plays like Dak is. You know, it, like, let's be real. Third down is oftentimes it's a blitz down. Cooper Rush gets blitzed. He ain't running out of the pocket and making some crazy plays. You know, he ain't doing no Mahomes stuff. And, and Dak isn't even doing no Mahomes stuff. But he's more mobile than Cooper freaking Rush. But he's able to get the job done, he though. Gets, Cooper, he Cooper Rush is able to get the job done. And I, and I have a lot of respect. I, I, like we said previously, I have a lot of respect for what, what we saw out of Cooper Rush. And I think he's earned himself that backup role on any team in the NFL. And potentially, he might get a chance at a starting job. You know, it just remains to be seen what's going to happen in the future with other teams. Yeah, it remains to be seen, like you say. It's just going to come down to, you know, if, if a team is going to be willing to pay him a bag to, to be a starter. Or, or, you know, like I said before, I think he should be getting Jimmy G-type money this year. 
You know, Jimmy G's getting he he got a, a crazy contract. Considering Jimmy G was expected to be the backup, he got a pretty crazy contract to be the backup quarterback. Cooper Rush deserves that similar type of contract, given how how well he did perform. Although his his last outing against the Eagles wasn't the best by any stretch of the imagination. Let's not overreact after one game. He was still doing a pretty damn good job, all things considered. It would be hard for a team to pick him up, so I just don't know who will pick him up. Yeah, I, I, and I'm not even saying it like it's a possibility because I think Jerry Jones is going to try to keep him. Exactly. Jerry Jones is going to want to keep him. Dak is, 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 you know, we were just talking about CMC being injury prone. Dak is slightly injury prone. Because of his play style. And that means you want a guy like Cooper Rush behind him because – the other day, let's just say Dak comes back and, and he re-aggravates the injury or something like that. Cooper Rush can come back in, and we know what we're getting. Exactly. And 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 he's going to be consistent. He's going to do the job. Is he going to be Tom Brady leading it to the Super Bowl? No. A star quarterback. He's just not going to be that. However, he's going to steady the ship, and he's going to do what you need him to do. To exactly. A you have a good running game. You have a good good receivers. You have a decent offensive line and a very good defense. You will win games. It's a it's a it's a good formula for winning in the NFL. Facts. It, it's a very good formula. So let's talk about Elijah Moore and his request from the Jets. Yeah. Apparently, he wants to leave because he's not feel he's feeling that he's being underutilized and that the Jets are using more. And honestly, I think it comes down to his performance in practice. 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 Because at the end of the day, like if he's not performing well in practice, and they're not gonna, because I'm sure like. They haven't found like the star receiver yet for the Jets, who's getting like the most reps, who's getting the most throws. No, no, they, they don't really have that guy. Exactly. So they're they're switching around in practice to try to find that guy. And if Elijah Moore isn't that guy yet, then he shouldn't be getting the play time that he you know that he essentially just wants. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to hear exactly his reasoning for get, for requesting the trade. Let's just be honest. He's played 83% of the Jets' offensive snaps this season so far. So it's not like he's not getting playing time. He's getting onto the field. It just comes down to he's not quite getting the targets he feels like he should be getting. Now, obviously, that can come down to a lot of different things. You know, obviously, they've had two different quarterbacks. They had Joe Flacco. Now they have Zach Wilson. It could, it could be he's just not quite getting the separation that you need. You know, Zach Wilson might just not feel he's getting open enough to feel comfortable throwing him that ball. I think people expected him to take a huge step up after his 2021 rookie season. I mean, he had 43 catches for 538 yards and five touchdowns. It's a pretty solid rookie season considering he was a second-round uh, second pick. So I think people expected him to take a huge jump, and maybe himself included, and maybe he feels like he did take that jump in terms of his skill set and he's not being utilized because they are a more running-oriented team, you know, led by Robert Sala and that coach. He wants to run the football. He wants to be a, a run-oriented team, and he wants to pride himself on the defensive side of the ball as well. And we have seen the Jets be excellent on defense. Of course. We have, we have seen Brees Hall be an excellent running back. He tore my Dolphins a new one. He literally just ran all over us, and, and we saw him do it against the Packers. We have seen Brees Hall pretty much run over almost every team in the NFL at this rate. So if it's working, why would they, why would they stop doing that? And I, but I understand that he feels like he should be getting more targets in you know, if I'm the Jets, I'm not trading him. I think he could be a star in this league, and you don't let talent go like that. However, I think Elijah Moore also has a little bit of diva in him, and I think he might make this a bigger deal than it really is. And if I'm the Jets, you I'm, gotta get rid of him. I'm four and two, exactly. I'm four and two, 
led by my, my young quarterback, Zach Wilson, led by Brees Hall, led by this defense. I don't want a diva ruining my team chemistry right now. Exactly. This guy is not contributing enough to the team at this very moment, to this 4-2 and two record, to say, I need to have this personality ruin this team. Because I think Jets fans know this is the best they've been in a long freaking time. Exactly. They have not been this good in a long time. And I would not let Elijah Moore ruin that for a second. So if he wants to keep going with this and be the, the diva, I think you do trade him. However, until it gets to that point, I wouldn't trade him because I think he does have star potential. Yeah, give him a chance. However, let's just assume they do keep going with this and they, they, they are going to make a trade. Do you think, uh, what, what team do you think Elijah Moore should be getting traded to? What team should be going after him? Oof. Well, we all know the Ravens is, would be a good option. Yeah. Mm, I'm trying to think. Uh, Jags. Jags. Jags would be a good option. Jags, do you think he would, he would get a good chance there? Yeah, because Trevor Lawrence would obviously target him a lot. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're more of a they're passing offense. Yeah. Because he has to go to a passing offense because, like you said, the Jets run the ball. Mm-hmm. So if he's wanting to be targeted more, he, he just has to, to pass for his team. Exactly. So even, even Green Bay, mm-hmm. the Packers would be a good option as well. Because Aaron Rodgers needs a quarterback. Are you a wide receiver? I mean, that's why I'm sorry. Sorry, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. He needs a wide receiver. That needs the that needs a great wide receiver. And that, that could be Elijah Moore. Exactly. So, definitely. I think those are good options. Yeah, look. As soon as I heard this news, I think everyone thinks the first two teams. There's two teams that immediately come to mind, and then there's a dark horse for me. As soon as I heard this news, if I'm the GM of the Baltimore Ravens, I'm picking up the phone immediately. This is a no-brainer. you got to get another receiver. We, we've seen when Rashad Bateman has been out for the Ravens, this offense has just been almost ineffective. Lamar can't do it all himself. He's never even, even – look, no disrespect to Rashad Bateman, but he's not a star wide receiver. Not that Elijah Moore is, but I think he can develop into that. If I'm the Ravens, I'm making the phone call and paying the price right now. Any, I'm, doing it, I'm doing it yesterday. I'm doing it today. I'm doing it tomorrow. I'm doing it a week from now. You gotta make this trade if I'm the Ravens. However, if the Ravens don't want to pull the trigger, another great option, like you said, the Green Bay Packers. They're in the same boat. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I am phoning up the GM and I'm saying, "Get me Elijah Moore right now, right now. No time to waste." Because let's just be honest here. It is almost sad to see how bad the Packers have been this season. Aaron Rodgers is, is, is a great quarterback. Not just a great quarterback. To me, he's one of the greatest of all time, if not the best of all time. We've and, talked about it, and I could agree. And to see this offense be almost ineffective, literally, like, if they can't run the ball, this, this offense is just really bad. They can't throw the ball. They can't run the ball sometimes because they know that they're trying to run the ball. It's just been really bad. They're lucky to be 3-3. Three and three. So if I'm the Packers, I'm, trying to, I'm making this phone call immediately. Obviously, Odell is also another wide receiver on the market that both of these teams are going to try to get. But not everyone can get Odell. Only one team can. Elijah Moore is that second-best option right now at the very moment. If I'm Facts. Green Bay, you've got to get him. However, there is one sleeper team, I think, in the, in, the, uh, in the Elijah Moore race. Obviously, I don't think they necessarily desperately need a wide receiver. However, it would be this, this team makes moves like this. It's a championship type of move. The Kansas City Chiefs. Do they need a wide receiver desperately? Probably not. They, they're in the Odell sweepstakes as well. If they don't get Odell and they feel like they can't do that, Elijah Moore would be a great piece to add because this is a wide receiver-friendly offense. 
Andy Reid is going to find a way to get this guy the ball. If he really has that talent, like I think he does, and like he's shown, he will do wonders with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. However, like you said, though, they do already have good options. They do. They have Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They have Juju, who just did have exactly. a, a good game against the Bills. Is it a desperate need? No. However, great teams, they know you're one injury away from, from being out. or you're in, in, You can't ever turn down the opportunity to get great talent. I, I'm of the opinion, even if you have a great team, you should always be looking to add more talent. Just not sure he'll get the reps over Juju. And I'm not saying it would be the best fit in terms of getting the most snaps and getting the most targets or anything like that. That's what he's. But Elijah for. Moore doesn't have the. Ch- he's not. He doesn't get the pick where he goes. <laughs> That's true. If Kansas City calls the Jets and says, "I'm gonna give you a second round pick for Elijah Moore," the Jets are taking that. They're taking it like that. Like if if they feel the need to trade him. Of course. So I think those are three teams that have the ability and the and the the need to a certain extent to get him. However. I think the, the the number one option where I think you should go, where it would be the best fit, the, the most needed, is the Green Bay Packers. If I had to pick one of those I can three. Ag- I, I can definitely agree. The Ravens would be good, but if I'm Elijah Moore, I want to go play with Aaron Rodgers. And same thing with what I said. The, I said the Ravens, but the Jags would be good as well. But, yeah, Aaron Rodgers I don't needs them. Th- look, Trevor Lawrence is great. He's going to be a great quarterback, but... I don't think any wide receiver in the game is saying, hey, I, I got to go play with Trevor Lawrence over Aaron Rodgers. That's facts. It's Aaron Rodgers, and we know. I, honestly, I feel like he becomes the number one option on that team immediately. He walks into the locker room, he becomes the best wide receiver on that team. So if he's looking for the number, be the number one option, go to Green Bay. They'll, they, they, they need it, desperately. Let's get into the next topic. We got Brady. He says he, he ain't going nowhere. <sighs> He's never going to retire, basically. Yeah, basically. <sighs> My initial thoughts, obviously, like, it, it has to do with his, maybe, I'm pretty sure we all thought this, that his wife maybe was holding him back. Uh-huh. But to say that he's going to play forever, man, like, or for at, and, least, and he, for at he, least, like, a longer period of time, like, how long can he go without getting seriously injured? I know he's been going for this long, but <sighs> I just don't want anything to happen to him, man. Well, those aren't my main concerns when I'm thinking about Tom Brady. At the end of the day, it's a quarterback-friendly league these days. You, you even think about touching Tom Brady, you're getting a 15-yard penalty for roughing the pass there. If you do it in Madden, you're getting a 15-yard penalty. You just, you literally, you breathe on him. You, you put your finger on him, and it's a 15-yard penalty. So I'm not necessarily worried about him getting injured, even when he approaches almost 50 years old. I'm just not worried about his injuries. However, I'm not surprised at all by these comments by Tom Brady. Let's just be honest, and I said it a couple episodes ago. As soon as I heard the news about Giselle divorcing him, I said I was happy, but then I got, then I realized I said this is not good for for other teams in the NFL. We knew at this moment, Tom Brady is not retiring anytime soon. Why, he has no reason to. He loves the game of football apparently more than his family. Uh, maybe I'm not going to go that far. However, you know how much he loves the game of football, and if he wouldn't quit. For his wife, when they were actually still together, why would he do it now when they're separated? Exactly. He has nobody that can tell him, oh, Tom, you got to stop playing football. If, if, if Giselle wasn't getting through his head, he definitely ain't doing it now. It's going to be 100% up to him when he wants to retire now. And I, I, like I said before, I, I feel like he's, he wants, he's, uh, he's chasing some kind of record or something. I, I personally think he's trying to be the, be the first quarterback to play until he's 50. 
He wants to play until he's 50. It's almost unheard of. It, it's something you don't even think about in, in Madden. You, you, I don't even think they let you. you if you play a, a career mode in Madden, you can't even play until you're 50. It's impossible. So he's trying to do something that you don't even do in a video game. And it's disappointing for me because I really thought we were finally going to have the end of an era. Tom Brady finally retires. The reign of terror across the NFL is gone. However, it seems to be not the case anytime soon. It's just, I don't know, man. You just get banged up, man, after a while, bro. I'm, I'm thinking a couple years or maybe his next Super Bowl ring or maybe when he breaks. Maybe. The, maybe. Or maybe, like you said, when he breaks some monstrous record that hasn't been broken for a while. Yeah. And then he cements himself as the best to ever do it. Because yeah. that, that's what it. That's ultimately what it's going to take for Brady to retire. I, I think so as for well. For everyone to realize that he, no debates, no anything like that, for everyone to realize that he's the best quarterback to ever play football. And I, I don't think the Bucks are, are winning the Super Bowl this year, but that's not to say that they can't go get some pieces in the offseason and ultimately become Super Bowl contenders next year. Exactly. You know, they have had some injuries this year. They haven't looked the same Bucks team that, that we we kind of expected them to be. They had a major loss. They had they had some big losses and they and they also had a couple injuries. Their center has been out pretty much the whole season. It was like their offensive line. He literally uh we all saw the clip of him yelling at his offensive line of course. last game because they weren't protecting him right. And if Tom Brady keeps playing the Bucks are going to find a way to make that football team better. You and you have a, a quarterback as good as Tom Brady. He seems as if every year you think he might get a little bit worse because of his age. However, it just seems to never be the case. He's, he continues to be that guy. As much as I hate to say it, he continues to be the, the same Tom Brady that we know. Maybe not love, but we know. And there's no reason for him to retire. You know, I think as soon as it gets to the point where he even starts to play slightly bad and he's throwing interceptions and he's just you can tell – He's not quite that guy anymore. I think he'll have a more desire to retire. But right now, I still feel like he can go and compete for championships. He has seven rings right now. He has no one else. He doesn't have to prove himself to anybody. He already has the most rings in NFL history, pretty much. Of you course. know, outside of a coach or whatever. So, there's, there's, he doesn't have to prove himself to anybody. He's just doing it for himself. And until he falls off that cliff fully, I don't think he's retiring and... I don't think he's ever going to fully fall off the cliff and be a bad quarterback. Even at 50 years old, when I think he's going to still be playing, he's still going to be Tom Brady, I feel like. You know, 50-year-old Tom Brady is still going to be slinging the, slinging the ball. I, I, however, I don't know if he's going to win another Super Bowl or not. But this is – if you get injured at 50, man, like – uh, It's going to be tough, but, but – Tom, when, when have you seen Tom Brady get injured within the last seven years, even ten years? Like, you can't think of a Tom Brady injury off the top of your head. But like he said, a bad injury. he was just yelling at that old line for not protecting him right. Yeah, but no, no injury. He seems to still be holding up. And pretty much Tom Brady only gets sacked maybe one or two times a game. He always has a great offensive line. They, they invest a lot of money into that offensive line. You're going to have to when you have Brady, the best quarterback behind Pretty much the best quarterback behind the squad other than Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ready to get in the next topic? Yeah, I'm ready. So we got Deion Sanders' son. He's saying that he's want, he's deserves the Heisman Trophy. And he all, maybe he feels like that because of Brady's boosting him up a little bit. Yeah, I, 
I'm not gonna lie. Look, he's 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 a good player. You know, he had a lot of offers coming out of high school. He could have went to Alabama. He could have went to Clemson. He could have. He had the pick of the mill. He could have went to any of those big schools. And if he was putting up the stats he's putting up, he with Jackson State in those big schools, I don't think it would be any doubt he's the Heisman Trophy winner. However, let me just look. Hold on. This is his competition. Look. He's played so far this season with Jackson State, Florida A&M, Tennessee State, Grambling State, Mississippi Valley, Alabama State, and Bethune-Cookman. Bethune Cookman. Cookman. I, saw, I Look, remember that, Bethune-Cookman. I don't care if you're putting up a 100% completion percentage with 10 million yards and 10 million touchdowns. If you're playing Florida A&M, Alabama State, Mississippi Valley, it doesn't matter what you do. You are not winning the Heisman Trophy. You're literally playing guys off the streets, basically. These guys can't even get scholarships, basically. Like, these guys are bums. I don't think he deserves to be a Heisman Trophy winner. However, I do think that Jackson State, Jackson State University should be getting recognized and that they should be moving up into a higher division soon. I think I can agree with that statement. I think Deion Sanders is building a great program and he's doing very good things for Jackson State. They have to be recognized. However, at this very moment, given the competition that they play and given the fact that his statistics are good, but I mean, considering the competition he's playing, you would kind of expect almost even like they're not that is they're great statistics, but you would expect better. Seventy three point five percent completion percentage, nineteen or one thousand nine hundred eighty five yards, twenty two touchdowns and four interceptions, including two in his last game against Bethune Cookman. Obviously, those are great stats at face value. However, you would you I I don't think if you even if you put up ten million yards, you're, you're winning the Heisman Trophy at Jackson State. It's just not happening. You're playing because of the teams that they face. You're playing Florida A and M, Bethune Cookman, Mississippi Valley, Grambling State. I don't even know where that is. And that's why they should be recognized. And that, that way, within a couple of years, they'll be facing better teams, and we'll see if that quarterback will be yeah. deserving of the Heisman. And, and ultimately, and we saw it in the interview. Because we're not sure if they'll be able to move up in yeah, a I'm division, saying. like, yeah, while his son is still there. Probably, it, it, probably it, not. I do think his son is obviously going to get a, a, a very good look into, to, into the NFL. Of course. And he, deservedly so. He's gonna, I don't know if he's going to be a first-round pick or anything like that because they take into the competition as well. However, whoever does pick up Shador Sanders is going to be getting somebody who is a very confident guy. He's getting worked on with Tom Brady. I mean, that's the guy that I I would want to draft a quarterback who's getting reps and working with Tom Brady. I think that's basically the best mentor you could have. However, to say that he's in the Heisman Trophy discussion, he should be a winner, is, is blasphemy. That's, however, I can agree with that statement. However... I do think Jackson State and Dion are building a great program and has the ability to, to per, and has the ability has the ability to produce a quarterback that will win the Heisman Trophy especially in the when, especially when they get into a Power 5 conference and they actually build more credibility and they're playing the likes of maybe not Alabama but they're playing teams like that. They're playing, he said he's going to play Alabama. Well, they're, they're playing at least they got to play you playing top 25 teams, you know. You got to yeah. be play, you got to be playing somebody. You got to play the, the, the U. You got to play like like maybe you don't have to play the number 1 team in the country. You don't have to play you're not even a top 5 team all the time, but you got to play somebody. You got to play somebody better than Grambling Good State. Teams. But doing Cookman, Mississippi Valley? I mean, bro, th- like like it's just ridiculous to say that that this guy is better than Bryce Young or any of those guys, you know, or uh, the Tennessee quarterback Hooker. It's, it's ridiculous to say that, that Shador Sanders deserves a Heisman over those guys, given what they're doing against five-star recruits. Of course. 
I mean, they are they're they're literally playing the best of the best SEC football. And to say that a guy playing Bethune Cookman should be taking the Heisman away from one of those guys is ridiculous. However, I do think, like you said, Jackson State should be moving up into a, a higher division or conference or whatever it is. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, they have that, to That be. is what they should be doing. However, I'm not sure if they're going to get the opportunity to really develop the program long enough to do that because Deion Sanders did say in an interview recently, if a Power 5 school calls me, I have, I have to take the offer. I have to think about the offer. Maybe not take it, but I have to think about it. They're going to – look, I think people are seeing – how good of a college football program Deion Sanders can build. Some people slept on him. They said he's too big of a personality. They said he wasn't able to do it. I think that they are seeing what he's done with Jackson State, and he he knows, and other teams know, like like other teams in the Power Five conferences that are building a program, they know if you give Deion money, you give him the opportunity to recruit to a bigger school, he will pull in recruits. If you're a high school football recruit, would you rather go play for a fat white guy that's never played football or Deion Sanders? The name name Deion brings an aura. He's a guy people want to play for. I feel like he's committed, though, to this Jackson State. I feel like he's really, really committed and wants to build their program. I feel like he is, but then why would you go on an interview and say that if I get an offer from a bigger school, I have to think about it? He said it would be crazy not to think about it. If the, if the bag is big enough, Dion is not going to turn that down, I think, at the end of the day. Well, the reason why he would have to think about it because he's proven himself already successful in where he's at, so it's always about moving up levels. Exactly. So, he's of course, he's going to think about moving up a level, and especially if the bag is big enough for, for what Dion thinks he's worth. And if he gets some promises, you know, like they, like these athletic directors, they sweeten the deal. You know, they're going to be like, we're going to get you a brand-new facility. We're going to get you the ability to get a lot of college football recruits to sign uh, and new NIL deals to get paid through Dion And have the best recruits in the nation. And if you give Deion Sanders a football program that has the money to really recruit, he's, he's already pulling five stars with Jackson State. So you give him SEC money, he is going to be pulling five stars left, right, and center. He's going to build a fucking powerhouse. He's going to build the new Alabama. Nick Saban, you know, he's eventually he's retiring. I think Dion has the potential to build a powerhouse in the college football ranks. I'm not going to say he's going to be Nick Saban or anything like that and make Al- like Alabama has been good for, what, 30 years almost now, however long. I don't think he's, it's going to be quite like that, but I think he can build a powerhouse that's going to be good for many, many years to come. And whether that's Jackson State when they move up or he, he goes to an SEC school or whatever, whatever the case is, he, he's, a, he's a coach that people are going to want. Facts. I can definitely agree. Let's get in the NBA now. Well, you know, we, we made our predictions, and now we have seen the, the NBA officially tip off. And it's, it's well, first things first, I think it, it's, it's great to have basketball back. You know what I mean? We, we, we saw a great season last season, and it was capped off by one of the best finals we, we've seen in recent memory with Golden State winning. And it, it feels good to have basketball back. Although it is just a regular season and, you know, some people say it doesn't really start heating up until a little later on in the season, it's good to have basketball back. And I think it, it's there are some huge takeaways from these first two games that we're seeing. Obviously, they are playing some games right now as we speak. But, you know, there are some takeaways that are going to be telling for how good teams are going to be in the long run that we are starting to see develop right now in front of our eyes. So Thanks. my first NBA takeaway – 
is the Philadelphia 76ers and, and, and the issues that they've had so far. Look, th- right now they're 0-2. First things first, I am not hitting the panic button on the 76ers. I am not going to come up here and say, tear it all down. It's, it's going bad. They're not making the playoffs. There's some ridiculous thing like that. That would be blasphemy. I actually think the 76ers, although they're 0-2, they have nothing to worry about. We have seen James Harden turn into the old James Harden again. We are getting Houston James Harden back in front of our eyes. So far, average is through two games, 33 points, eight rebounds, eight assists on 57.9% shooting. This guy, he's back. This is the old James Harden. And, and we always kind of said if we can get the old James Harden with Joel Embiid, it's going to be a scary sight for the NBA. Well, we have the old James Harden. Now the question is, can we get Joel Embiid to become the other offense going? Exactly. Look, Embiid is going to have to adjust to having James Harden be as good as he is. Last season, we did not see James Harden be this good, be this ball dominant. But James Harden himself said it in, in, in uh, preseason interviews. He was really hitting the gym this offseason trying to become that guy again. And it, it's paying off. He is that guy. However, we have seen so far, all things considered, a lackluster Joel Embiid. We expected him to do great things this year coming off of almost winning the MVP. Some say he deserved the MVP. We thought he was going to come out this season firing and ready to win that MVP. And so far, he's been lackluster. He, he kind of shrunk against Giannis. He shrunk against the Boston Celtics, and he was not that same guy. I, but Joel Embiid is the least of my worries, and I think that given the course of an 82-game season, the Philadelphia 76ers will be able to work out their offensive problems. And that's why I'm not hitting the panic button. If anything, I think that the 76ers, this is a good sign for them. Joel Embiid is going to be able to fix up his mistakes. You can't expect Joel Embiid to play this poorly for the rest of the season. It'd be ridiculous. So that's why he, look, it's going to cut. Look, James Harden might not be averaging 33 points every game, or like these stats might go down a little bit, but even if it's a 28 and 7 and 7 or something like that, and Joel Embiid brings his numbers up to what we saw last season, this team becomes really scary and they become contenders in the Eastern Conference, even though we've seen them drop two games so far. Let's not hit the panic button on the 76ers. That's my big takeaway for them. Yeah, I can agree with that, and that James Harden just needs to, once they get the offensive scheme going and pass the ball more, they'll be good, man, because Joel Embiid is overall an amazing player. We know what he can do. Exactly. Probably one of the top ten players in the league. I I have him top five. Exactly, top five. So, like, once they get that offensive going, I have no doubt that they'll definitely be in a playoff playoff position. Yeah. Definitely. I I think, and and you got to trust Doc Rivers as well. We know what he can do as a coach. He's going to figure this out. That's why I'm not worried about the 76ers. Now, for one of my t- one of my takeaways is the Orlando Magic and Paolo Benchero. He put up an amazing debut, as everyone knows, most people know, with 27 points and not it was like nine rebounds and f- and f- and um and five five blo- five blocks, or yeah. Has it been done? Since LeBron or Kareem. And he's able to utilize other people around him. Including Franz Franz, Franz Wagner. 14 points. Averaging per game. 14 points. 
five rebounds, five rebounds, as well as they just they just overall man. Overall, he's he's able to u- utilize the offense and create amazing defensive plays and off off the ball plays. Mm-hmm. So they will be a contender for years to come. But not this season. Not this season. I think Paolo Banchero's debut was impressive. I think we all kind of knew what he was going to be. However, did we expect this good this early? Maybe not. We saw that posterizing dunk. It, 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 you know, we saw, although they lost the game, I don't think it's about wins and losses for the Orlando Magic this year. It's about the overall performance. You know what I mean? This team is not built to win now. Some would say they're in the Wimbenyama sweepstakes. You know what I mean? So I think the, the if, I'm a, if I'm an Orlando Magic fan, I want Paolo Benchero to do as good as he is, keep this performance up, but ultimately I still want to be in those Wimbenyama sweepstakes. Because now if you're thinking about it, we know how good Paolo Benchero is. You link it up with, with Victor Wimbenyama, Orlando Magic become immediate contenders. Facts. So, th- th- so I think it's, it's impressive to see how good of a debut he had. We know the we I know we talked about it earlier that Adam Silver may change that and that teams may not be able to tank yeah, in they, the future. They they're looking to change the tanking rules, however, that's not going to be going into effect anytime soon. So, if a, if a team is planning on tanking for Victor Wimbenyama, which I think many teams are, they'll be able They're going to gonna be it. able to do so. Of course. But I, and I said this after the Victor Wimbenyama video. I said, and you you, you remember this? I said teams are going to be tanking so hard for Victor Wimbenyama that they're going to have to change the rules. Yeah. I said that, and now here they are discussing at, at, at league meetings or whatever that they're going to try to change the tanking rules. And, and he, Adam Silver himself admitted it. He understands why teams tank. But he knows from a business perspective that you can't, you can't do that. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's selling bad product. So... From the NBA's perspective, you'd know why they're trying to fix it up. And I, and I hope they are able to find a true solution, but I don't know if they ever will 100% be able to do that. Facts. My next NBA takeaway comes from the Brooklyn Nets. I think we had some complete and utter blasphemy said on this podcast last episode by G. <laughs> he literally said Ben Simmons was going to be an all-star. After these uh, games that we saw from Ben Simmons, I think we can all confirm he is not going to be that guy. He is just the same old Ben Simmons that we've seen in previous seasons. So far through two games, his average is 5 points, 7.5 rebounds, 6.5 assists. It's not terrible, but it's not what you want. He's averaging 5 points a game, man. That is not all-star level. That is not championship-level basketball. We knew, at least I knew, you can't trust Ben Simmons. It doesn't matter how much work he said he put in in the offseason. It doesn't matter. I do not trust this guy. And this is why. His performances are just not good. His first game against the Pelicans fouls out. Pretty much the, the only thing he did in that game was just foul people. He's just a body. It was, it was a terrible performance. He fouled out in the Pelicans game. He had a plus minus of negative 26. When he's on the court, the Nets were losing by 26. It's just it's just terrible. The the audacity for Steve Nash to go out there and say Ben Simmons can guard Zion Williamson 
it was blasphemy. You set him up for failure. Ben Simmons is going to have to fix up his game. That's, the, that's just the reality of the situation. We've said it for a long time. If the Nets want to do anything this season in terms of actually competing for a championship, Ben Simmons is going to have to elevate this game. I think everyone knows that. Ben Simmons himself knows it. However, do I think Ben Simmons will elevate his game enough to take the Nets to the championship? Based on what I've seen right now, no. Hell Definitely no. not. This is, is, is literally the same old Ben Simmons from last season. It's the same Ben Simmons that we all kind of expected to see. And it's not any better. I'm not going to act like it's worse, but it's not better. It, it was hard to get much worse. He's just a body. He's not quite doing the job, and I don't think I think he's holding the Nets back. I said it when G. I said that Ben Simmons, he might be able to develop and do a really really good role player. However, I don't think he'll be able to be a superstar. That's just not. This is not him. This is no. not who he is. No, it's, it's it's not reality. But I do think he'll be able to develop into a really really good role player. I think that at this point, that's the only hope that the Nets can have. But if you're starting Ben Simmons, it, it's not going to be great. You know, there's a reason why they got smoked by the Pelicans. And there's a reason why they almost lost to a, let's just be honest, a not great Toronto Raptors team. They're not a great, they're not a great team. Pascal Siakam is great. Nick Nurse is a great coach. But if you're close at home against the, the Raptors, it's not really a great tell, telltale sign for what's going to be coming in the future when you actually play the 76ers, when you play the Celtics, when you play the Warriors, it's not going to be looking good. Ben Simmons is the main question mark with this team. It, it, he always has been, and so far he has done nothing to take away that question mark from me. It, although it is only two games, he, it's not looking good. Stephen A. Smith is out of his mind for saying that they're going to win the championship or anything like that. He's out uh, of his mind. So for my takeaway, for my next takeaway... If I'm a Heat fan, I'm a little concerned. Wow. Because they're obviously 0-2 right now. Yeah. They lost versus the Bulls, which yeah. we can all say is not one of the best teams. Mm -hmm, definitely. And the Celtics. Exactly. And one of their key things was that when, they, when they're when they losing, they just don't seem to be able to get, get up. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not able to get, get back and get up. So, mm -hmm. unless they're able to fix that problem, I, I just, if I'm a Heat fan, I'm very, very concerned right now. Yeah. Well, and I think Eric Spolstra said it a little bit. We we saw the interview. Uh, he did it uh, at some point during the Celtics game. You know, he said it, it was going to be during the fourth quarter. It, it was going to be tough to replace what PJ Tucker brought to that team. You know, he said it, and I think this is 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 the the beginning of of showing that. I think they don't look quite as good defensively as they've looked in previous years, especially last season. This was a team that, that the Miami Heat they prided themselves on their defense. And let's not, I'm not going to sit up here and act like they had a bad defensive performance. However, to say that this is the same defensive team is blasphemy. Out of, the, out of your mind if you say that. And Tyler Hero, he, he's doing better. He's putting up great numbers now. Yeah. No, Tyler Hero is exactly the, he's, he's the $140 million man himself. <laughs> you know, does he deserve all that money? I, I don't know. But I would just say the biggest problem with Tyler Hero is that he's a defensive liability. You know, we saw him get bodied a couple times against the Celtics, and, and you're going to see it. He might give you 20, 25 points a game, and that's what you need from him. Don't get me wrong. But he's also going to, his matchup is more than likely going to be smoking him a couple times, if not, 
maybe more than a couple times. You know, like he's just not a great defensive player. And part of that is just because he's not the biggest kind of guy in the world. You know, he's not the biggest frame. He, he's, he's a little skinny. You think Jimmy Butler needs someone putting up 25 points a game, though? I, I think Jimmy... That's well, what I'm course, saying. Oh, no, he does. I'm, I'm not saying get rid of Tyler Hero or nothing like that. I think, obviously, you need Tyler Hero from the Heat. However, he is a defensive liability on the court. You know, he's gonna have, he needs to either continue to improve that defense. Maybe, and I, I think, ultimately, the Eric Spolstra knows that. Eric Spolstra knows that if Tyler Hero is going to be the, the guy that they think he's going to be on this team, he's going to have to play slightly better defense. Of course. I'm not ready to hit the panic button on the Heat 100% yet either. However, you know... I trust Eric Spolstra. I don't think that this Heat team is making the Eastern Conference Finals and, and being as close to making the NBA Finals as they were last season. I, I just don't think they're 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 quite as good of a team. And I think that the rest of the Eastern Conference is a little bit, they've, they've improved a little bit. And the Heat have taken not a huge step back, but a, a slight step back, I would say. That's true. And like you said, the other teams have improved. Slightly, so. and like, like the, for example, the 76ers, with James Harden being the guy we know he can be now, they've taken a, a step up when Joel Embiid starts playing like we know he can. That step up takes them over the Heat because the Heat have taken a slight step back. I'm saying the Heat, they're not a bad team. They're going to make the playoffs pretty comfortably. They're going to be a, a – I would say as of right now, I, st- I would predict them to be around that four to five seed. But last season, they, they were pretty much the, the one seed. Exactly. So they definitely took a step back. They regressed. This could change if they make a make a move of some sort, though. You know that's why it's still so early to to judge so far down the line in the season because the trade deadline in the NBA is complete another chaos, and we know that there's going to be some big names going and, and leaving. So if the Miami Heat, are, they're gonna, I think they realize now that they are a piece away from being true contenders. So I, I expect the Miami Heat to make a trade of some sort. I don't know what it's going to be, what what the compensation is going to be. I don't know who they even need. But I would be very surprised if this Miami Heat squad, as constructed now, is the one well, that finishes the season. As you said, they're probably going to need a defensive juggernaut. They're going to need somebody that can... Do they need that much more scoring? They need somebody who can score, but I think they need a guy that can really solidify the defensive end outside exactly. of Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. They need a good... They need an above-average role player that can play some good wing defense. They need a good guard... That can replace Tyler Hero off the bench. That is gonna lock in on defense. You know what I mean? If they, like if the Heat, if they play a team with elite guards, they're gonna struggle. So they're gonna need a good defensive guard. I feel like that's that's what they're gonna have to get. However, I I would be slightly concerned if I was a Heat fan. I think that's a good takeaway. Exactly. It's a good takeaway to have. It's it's gonna be interesting to see how the Heat play this out. You know, I have ultimate faith in Eric Spolstra. You know, we saw, I don't think anyone is doubting Eric Spolstra or Pat Riley or anyone like that. I think it's just going to be interesting to see exactly how this continues to play out. Exactly. <clears throat> My next takeaway, it wouldn't be NBA takeaways if we didn't talk about one team, the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> we had to talk about them. It's the, it's the team that everyone is talking about. It's the team... Maybe not everyone had the highest expectations in the world, but anytime you've got LeBron James and Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis on your team, you're going to be getting talked about. And I and trust me, there are some extreme takeaways from, from these first two Laker games. I don't think anybody expected the Lakers to be a good three-point shooting team. Nobody did. 
However, I don't know if anyone could have expected it to be quite this bad. That LeBron had to say something in a press conference. But in the first game against the Warriors, they shot 10 from 40 from three. It's terrible. And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, they shoot nine for 45 against the Clippers. After a certain point, this team needs to realize that they are just, like LeBron said it, but they still keep shooting them. They are not a three-point shooting team. Why are you taking 45 threes? I don't care if they leave you wide open. I don't care if the defense is in Cancun and you're in freaking Texas. They're that far, you're that wide open. There is no reason to be taking threes if you just know that you're not going to make them. Exactly. You need to create better shots. LeBron needs to stop passing the ball to Pat Beverly in the three. He needs to stop doing it. He needs to stop giving the ball to AD at the three. This guy cannot shoot. That, like, Russ. Russ, stop passing these guys the ball at the three-point line. And if I'm those guys, stop taking the three. Drive in. Take a mid-range shot. Do anything else except for take the three. Take the three once in a while. Maybe give, throw them a surprise. Got to surprise them. But, but it's getting pathetic at this point. Exactly. We have seen, we saw Kawhi Leonard leave Russell Westbrook so wide open on a three, he turned his back around. He was preparing for the rebound. Before the ball was even passed to Russell Westbrook, he literally turned around, looked at the rim, and was waiting for Russell Westbrook to brick. It's getting pathetic for the Los Angeles Lakers. And if I'm the Lakers, I'm shooting 19 for 85 from three through two games. If I'm Darvin Ham, bro, I'm telling these guys, just don't shoot anymore. Just stop shooting, bro. I don't want to see the Lakers shooting more than 25, 33s a game. That literally, if they shoot 25 threes again, that's taking 20 threes less, and that's going to create more high-percentage looks for LeBron in the paint, AD in the paint. Look, that leads me into my next takeaway for the Lakers. Look, I love Anthony Davis. I love what he's done for the Lakers. I love the fact that he was able to bring the Lakers a championship with LeBron in 2020. But it's time to accept the facts. Anthony Davis is not a good shooter. He's just not. This guy is brick city when he takes a jump shot. It is, it's getting sad at this point. He is just an utterly terrible jump shooter. Listen to this. Anthony Davis has the lowest effective field goal percentage on jump shots in the NBA over the last two seasons. In the Damn. whole NBA. And the percentage, 35.99%. And if that doesn't sound bad enough already... No other player in the whole NBA has a less than 40%. So he's literally 5%, almost 5 percentage points worse than the second worst NBA player at effectively shooting the basketball. If this guy squares up to take a jump shot, you know he is missing in the same way that you know Russell Westbrook is missing. That's what I was going to say. Russell Westbrook and his performance has been disgraceful. The game, the, the 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 game against the Clippers was just an utter disgrace to made basketball. Like, made no like two points, and it was even. only a free throw. He couldn't even make an actual an actual field goal on the field. Exactly. So, look and 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 before the comments start are killing us and, and saying that we are not recognizing his defense, Russell Westbrook did have a very good defensive game, but his offense was so terrible that it, I don't care if you get five hundred steals, if you're shooting zero of eleven from the field. You have to literally be the greatest defensive player of all time for me to even say that you had a halfway decent game. 
And for Russell Westbrook to have the audacity to get there in the post-game interview and say he played solid? Solid. I, oh, it's pathetic. I, oh, it's I pathetic. seen that. Oh, man. Look, and and I was I was ready to say, I, look, Russell Westbrook did not play bad against the Warriors, but the game against the Clippers, he was just terrible. And if I'm the Lakers, we know that the only way for there to be any trade is it has to include Russ. He has taken up so much of the contract uh, of the calorie, salary cap that you have to get rid of Russ, and it, it has to. Be, look, if I'm Rob Palinka, you have to find a way to get rid of Russ. I think I have seen enough positive signs from this Lakers team to say that they would most definitely be a, a decent playoff team if they are able to make one trade and it get like 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 a couple shooters or or one more player or something. A three point shooter they would just be preferable. Need, they just preferable. need. Preferable. It's it's the most. It's necessary. <laughs> it's necessary. The only way to get that done is is if you, Russell Westbrook is traded. Um. So if I look, I have seen some positive things from Darvin Ham and and what they've done with the Lakers. They were able to keep it close against the Warriors. They were able to keep it close against the Clippers. And Lonnie Walker has looked very very good. You know, I have to give Lonnie Walker credit. The rest of the Lakers team, potentially outside of LeBron and AD, has looked terrible. But Lonnie Walker has proven himself to be a very good role player for this Lakers team. The best role player for this Lakers team. Uh, the only good role player. I give Pat Bear, I give him a pass. He's a decent role player. But pretty much the only good role player besides maybe Pat Bev is Lonnie Walker. So I'm very impressed with Lonnie Walker. Very impressed with what I've seen from LeBron and AD all outside of the jump shot. And the coaching has been good. It just comes down to I've seen enough good things. Although I pointed out the bad, I've seen enough good things overall. Yeah, defensive defense def- exactly. on the defensive side of the I've ball, they're en- doing great. I've seen enough good things, including defense, that they know hungry for rebounds. They know they are one piece away from actually potentially doing something. The only way you're able to get that piece is if you trade away Russell Westbrook. So I'm literally Rob Palinka. Please call every GM in the NBA right now. And find somebody to take him. I don't care if you have to give away the for, first round pick. I was going to say, for a good three-point shooter, are you getting rid of Pat Bev and, or AD as well? No, no, not AD. Like, if, 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 if Pat Bev has to go, then he has to go. But the only, the only two untouchables where it's like, I would never trade him is LeBron and AD, obviously. You don't trade those guys. You know, Lonnie Walker is not going to get traded or anything like that. Literally, the trade... That needs to be done is the Lakers 2027 first round pick and their 2029 first round pick. The only two first round picks they have left in this decade, you trade them both, you trade Russell Westbrook with them, and you go to you you hit up the, a team that's ass, a team that's tanking, and you take somebody good. I saw a hypothetical trade. I'm not saying this is going to happen. People are expect look the Blazers are actually doing kind of good right now, but people expect the Blazers to not be a really good team this year. An, an example would be. When the trade deadline comes around and you see how bad the Blazers are, you call them and you say, let me give you these two guys and a couple other things and let me get Dame. Now, I don't think they're doing that. But even if you can go hit up Indiana, you can get Buddy Heald and you can get Miles Turner. Miles Turner, yeah. You got to get somebody. Anybody at this point is going to be better than what they got. Anybody. So that's my biggest takeaways from the Los Angeles Lakers. I got one final takeaway. Do you have any other ones? Nope. My final takeaway is about the Los Angeles Clippers, the other L.A. team. Look, I did just trash on the Lakers. 
They the Clippers obviously played the Lakers. I'm not going to sit up here and act like it was the most dominant Clippers performance of all time. Kawhi Leonard wasn't playing as much as he will when he, uh, you know, become playoff time and stuff like that. Of course, he was, you know, kind of load managing, which I, I respect to a certain extent. Look, my biggest takeaway about the Los Angeles Clippers is the fact that they are a very, very deep team. They have a very loaded bench. Obviously, their starting five is good, but their bench is really, really good. Luke Kennard, John Wall, who I'm going to get into in a second. Markeith Morris, I think he might be coming off the bench when Kawhi is fully healthy. They have a lot of guys off the bench, you know, Reggie Jackson, who are good players. They're solid players. They are three-point shooters. They are guys that can space the floor. They are guys that can dribble. They are guys that can create their own shot. Those are guys that you want on your team. And the Clippers, they have put together a very, very good roster. I think that they are contenders based on what I've seen. And I have to issue John Wall an, an official apology. I was down here saying that I think he's washed and he's done. I know it was just one game, but he he, he seems to be... Not the old John Wall, but a very solid role player for the Clippers. Facts. He averaged in the first game, he had 15 points, four rebounds, three assists. Yep. It's a solid game. You don't need to be the old John Wall with this Clippers team. We know that they still have Paul George and they still have Kawhi Leonard. They still have a lot of good players. He doesn't need to even be, he doesn't even need to average these types of stats. If he's giving you 10 points and a couple rebounds and four assists, four threes, four assists, that's all you need from John Wall. It's more than I was expecting, and I think he will be a huge contributor for this team going forward. And I was overall very impressed with his debut from the Los Angeles Clippers. And it's just one more piece that you have to worry about now with this Clippers team. Yeah, speaking of those three stars, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and John Wall, although they may not be in their prime per se, a lot of people, some people may disagree, whatever, whatever. Although they're not in their prime, they still got that mindset. They still got that legendary mindset, like that w- top NBA is. player mindset. They're, they're, one of, they're one of the best to ever do it, so mm-hmm. they understand how to play the game. Yeah, and, and I think uh, we heard Reggie Miller say it uh, in, in the commentary. He said, as soon as you saw John Wall make that first jump shot, you, 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 you saw his confidence. He started bursting with confidence. It was one of those things. When you're as great of a player as John Wall was and you had the issues that you did you know, with, with Houston and things like that, your confidence was kind of shot, but you still know how good of a basketball player you are. As soon as you take that first shot and it goes in, it hits the bottom of the net, and you see them points go on the board, he felt like he was back. You could see it. He was oozing with confidence. And that's literally, if we can even get a glimpse sometimes of that old John Wall this Clippers team is going to be scary because I, I personally was saying that he was washed and I thought he was going to basically be contributing nothing. He, he's contributing something way more than I expected. And that's what takes the Clippers over the top. Now for me, they, they are a true, true contender in the Western conference. They're going to be scary. It's going to take a lot to beat them over a seven game series. It's going to be tough. I think that there's reason to think that the Clippers are, are better than I expected. Time will tell to see if John Will will be able to keep up his performance, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's only one game, but it, it's it's good positive signs. That's facts. It is good positive signs. It is very good positive signs. So I think we're done with the NBA. No, 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 no. We got Charles Barkley, right? Charles Barkley. Exactly. So we got Charles Barkley signing a hundred million dollar deal. Yeah, and it, and it, and it rumored it could go up to as much as two hundred million. <laughs> You know, with add-ons and stuff like that. I know you want to talk about if he's overpaid. Yeah, 
what for, we wanted to talk about. For, for, for me personally, some people are saying it was overpaid. It was too much money to give to a, a you know, guy like Charles Barkley, an analyst. I think this was a, a very good deal. Look, the NBA, uh, inside the NBA, is one of, if not the best, pregame, halftime, postgame type of shows. It's entertaining. It's, it's guys, Ernie Johnson, Shaq, Kenny the Jet Smith, Charles Barkley, they're entertainers. They know how to, to make the crowd laugh. They know how to, how to entertain an audience. It's, it's a halftime show that people actually want to watch. It's a pregame show that people turn on and they like watching it because it's not only good analysis, but it's actually entertaining. They're funny people. Shaq is obviously one of the funniest guys in, in uh, maybe all, the whole world. He's just a funny guy. Charles Barkley and him have a great chemistry on the show. Kenny the Jet Smith offers uh, an elite analysis, but then also he, he can throw in a joke or two. And Ernie Johnson is a legend. To keep all of these, these guys together for inside the NBA, it, it, it was a good move. And Turner Sports makes so much money. It, it's, it's one of the biggest you know, TV companies. They have the money to give $100 million for Charles Barkley. Look, this show, Inside the NBA, has won 17 Emmy Awards. 17! It's an elite show. People obviously love it. And if you have a product that people love, and, and I, me personally, I love it. If you have a product that people love, you pay what you have to pay to, to keep them. Yeah, that's, what, that's what you have to do. I don't know. I, I just feel like I want to agree so bad because, like you say, for he's he's one of the best entertainers to ever do it, and that that squad is just so funny to watch and entertaining. But I feel like the money that these people make could be going to s- something else. I'm not gonna act like the money could be going somewhere else, but the money is there, and he's already rich from his NBA career. But there's just a lot of money in that space, you know. Of what course, I mean? so, so and if, and if lot, he doesn't get paid, that somebody else. Will. And a reason why a lot of money is in that space is from advertisers, and how much money are these advertisers going to keep putting to feed us? You know what I'm saying? <sighs> to get these products, like there should be some type of limit to the amount of money that they could put to where these advertisements are just mess. You know what I'm saying? Messing with our minds into a sense, and we don't really look at it like that. But in all reality. They're really messing with our heads to buy these products. So overall, bro, I feel like there should be a limited amount to where these advertisements can spend and put towards these big movies and television series. And these people will end up making less and the money will be able to, hopefully the money will be able to be able to put to better things. However, you know, it's, it's a good hypothetical scenario, but it's the, the reality is that that's not the case right now at this very moment. So you know that the money is going to be spent, if not on Charles Barkley, but somebody else. So if you're TNT, you're Turner Sports, you, you, would you have signed him to this contract? Because you know well, the, the money is going well, yeah, mo- to be spent regardless. Of course. So like, is, is Charles Barkley worth, you know what I'm saying? Or should they have just said, I'm letting you go and I'm going to get a new guy to replace him? Because I think we both know. No, because if Charles Barkley wouldn't, he would have gone somewhere else. Someone else would have hired him, so TNT had to have kept him. He wouldn't have exactly. just retired from commentating. So they, exactly. so they had to give him the money to keep him overall. Exactly. However, though, he will t- retire eventually, and a, a, a young, 
young young person on the come up will take his spot. And he even said that it, it's a ten year contract for you know a hundred to two hundred million. We don't know the exact details and what it exactly is going to end up being. But he himself said in an interview on the Dan Patrick Show that I'm not going to stay for this whole contract. I'm going to retire before the ten years is up. Yeah, he said it himself. So. It's just the premise. He's not going to make the full $100 million to $200 because he's going to retire early. He's going to be done with it after a certain point. He said he's not one of those guys who wants to, to work himself until these, he dies. You know, he said he, I, he's going to earn the money that he, he, he needs. And, you know, after a certain point, he's going to say, I'm done. And that's good to give a young person an opportunity. Yeah. Ultimately, I'm glad that, you know, so, look, so, there are some companies that would have said, I don't think Charles Barkley is worth $100 million, and I'm going to go pay somebody else. I'm glad that Turner Sports recognized that they have an elite product. Yeah, that would have been a dumb decision. I'm glad they recognized that they have an elite product, one of, if not the best, pregame, postgame, halftime show type of things with inside the NBA. And I'm glad they realized that, and I'm glad they were willing to pay the money to Charles Barkley because it would have been a travesty for him to go somebody or somewhere else and break up that legendary squad. And like you said, if the advertising money is going to continue and nothing's going to change, Charles Barkley is your best option because he's going to go to somewhere else. Yeah, and if you and if you, he's just entertaining. You know, he's one of if not the best and, and a key he, factor he, of that of that show. The thing with that show is that they, they 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 find the perfect balance of good analysis and you trust their analysis because they're NBA legends. Charles Barkley, Shaq, Kenny the Jet Smith. So you trust their analysis, but they also know the right times when to be funny. Yeah. You know, they have a perfect balance. It's it's an entertainment at the end of the day. All sports are entertainment at the end of the day. But this particular show, it's a pre-game, post-game show. It's, it's going to be made to be entertaining and also, you know, analyze a little bit of basketball. And it, they have the perfect balance, and it's, it's so entertaining, and they made the right move doing this, in my opinion. I can definitely agree. Yeah. However, maybe one day things will change like i said but who knows yeah i don't think anytime soon but it, it's a good thought though in theory however yeah. i don't i don't see it happening unfortunately so now let's get into soccer with ronaldo just just walking off in the middle of the game and now he wasn't able to play recent recently tonight today against chelsea exactly today against chelsea my initial thoughts on this it, it it's it's sad right now what we're seeing at cristiano ronaldo I think I'm not going to sit up here and act like he is the, the player that he once was. Of but, course. But for him to be getting treated like this by the club, it almost disrespected in a way. It's sad. But obviously, I'm not going to sit up here and, and act like he was in the right on this move. He, should, he, he definitely should not have walked off. And I don't care if you are Cristiano Ronaldo and, and arguably the GOAT, if, not the, if he's not the GOAT, the second best <laughs> player of all time. I don't care if you still think you're that guy. You can't deny becoming a, being a sub in the match. If the coach calls your number as a substitute and says, Cristiano, I need you. I need you to finish off this game. You can't just say, nah, I'm good. The coach needs you. He's calling your name. He needs you. And for you to have the audacity to, to be like, nah, 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 don't sub me in. He committed to the club. He it's wore, sad. He's wearing the badge. It's, 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 it's sad for him to do that. It's, but I, I can understand it to a certain point because he feels disrespected by the club because of what's going on. Eric Ten Hag clearly does not see him as part of his future plans. And his tactics don't fit Ronaldo at what he can do at this age. And I think it's just getting to the point where it, it, they just need to, to, to part ways. Of course. And I 
I, I bet many soccer fans who watch this has been wanting to see that for a while now, them part ways. Because after, look, I, I, I we all have to respect how legendary of a career Cristiano Ronaldo has had. We don't have that many years left of his career. And basically this season so far has been a complete wash. You know, we're not going to get Ronaldo this young again, ever. He's never getting any younger. And even if he's not the same player he once was, I, at the very minimum, I want to see Cristiano Ronaldo still play football. Exactly. I still want to see him on the pitch. And right now, he's not getting the opportunity. Especially, like, where he's at right now. Like, he's nowhere near, like, going, like, not nowhere near, but, like, going to the MLS or anything like that. He we still wanna, has something to offer. Exactly. He's still got something in him, man. And we still want to be able to see that Ronaldo amazing performance, how we do with Messi. Exactly. Like, we want to still see him on the pitch. And right now, he's just not getting the opportunity to play on the pitch because Eric Ten Hag, he doesn't fit his scheme. He doesn't fit his tactics. And I can respect that from Eric Ten Hag's perspective. And I honestly have a lot of respect for Ten Hag for saying, look, I know you're Cristiano Ronaldo because not a lot of managers have the balls to bench Ronaldo like Eric Ten Hag has, essentially. But I like I can respect him doing it for the tactical reasons that he's doing it. But at the same time... Because they do have good players. Exactly. But at the same time, if that is the case, let's, let's let him leave in January or, or let him leave now, terminate the contract, whatever it is. Let's let Ronaldo leave the club. It's 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 clear as day, especially now given the situation that's going on. There, it's it's the relation the relationship between the two is irreparable. You cannot repair it. It's done. It's finished. So I think it's time for him to leave the club. And I think that there are a few options. You know, we have just seen the report, uh, breaking news that Chelsea is in form. Of course, I'm not gonna sit up here and act like it wouldn't be a good fit. Todd Bowley obviously wants the huge superstar. Ronaldo, regardless of what you think about his performance now, he is still a global phenomenon and superstar. I think Chelsea needs somebody who can score goals. I think he, he still has something to offer. I'm not going to sit up here and act like it would be a completely terrible signing. Is it exactly what Chelsea needs? No. But I, I, I'm not going to... I would love to see Cristiano Ronaldo play for Chelsea. You know, the, it, it's... I don't know exactly how much he's going to contribute or anything like that, but I, I think it would be interesting. I think he would get, a obviously, a more uh, better opportunity than he is at Manchester United. Of course. I think Graham Potter would potentially be able to get the best out of him. I think it's not quite as heavy of a pressing uh, tactics. You know, Ronaldo, at this age, he's not going to press for 90 minutes. And although they're getting Nkuku, they're going to want another star forward. Yeah, and I, and I think... Ronaldo fits what Chelsea wants to do more so than what Manchester United wants to do. Exactly. I think Chelsea have kind of needed that guy who you know can score goals for a while. You know, we had Diego Costa in the past and other guys, but we haven't had that guy recently who's like, okay, this guy is a proven goal scorer. He's the he's the he's the striker who's gonna bag goals. If he gets a good opportunity in the box, it's going in. Ronaldo, whether you like it or not, he is still that potential of guy. Although he has missed some chances, he's not getting the opportunity. He's not on good form right now. I don't think we can take this season into account. Just last season, we saw Ronaldo still banging in a lot of goals. We know the potential he has on, the, on, the, on that side of the ball. We know what he can do. So I think he would have a good opportunity with Chelsea to, to return to form. However, I don't know if that's 100% in the cards, you know? But so, you seem to think that Chelsea is, is the best option. Yeah, I, th I think he just needs to go to a new team and just and just get a new coach and just once once he just reevaluates gets a reevaluation of his situation and where everything around him, I think he'll be all right and he'll be in good form again. Yeah. I know you mentioned 
to me before the podcast, him going, you could, I want you to speak on that. Look, <laughs> if Ronaldo gets the opportunity to go play for Chelsea and Chelsea gives him an offer, he's going to take that offer because he still wants to play at the highest level. Exactly. And I can't blame him for that. However, I don't know if Ronaldo is quite suited to play at the Premier League level, maybe anymore. You know, I think it might be time. It, it's getting kind of sad. But it might be time for him to go home to his boyhood club and go play for Sporting Lisbon. It's where he started his career. He, 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 he's literally, it, it's, it's what many great players do when they get to that age in their career. We just saw Luis Suarez going home to Uruguay and playing for Nacional. Ronaldo, it might be time for you to go home and play for Sporting Lisbon. It's time. Hell no, he man. Can, obviously, he's. He, he, I just don't know if he can contribute at at the Premier League level. For, for you know, is is he gonna be a star talisman for a for a Champions League winning team or for a Premier League side? Even if he's I not in know. the, even if he's not in the Prem, I got him in the top five leagues for sure. He's got to be in the. He's in the Bundesliga, bro. Come on, bro. I think that he should be potentially looking to go home to, for Sporting. I think he, he had legendary moments with the club to where he started off his career. You're telling me he can't play for Dortmund? Dude, but, dude, Dortmund, that's not it. Like, I'm not saying he can't play for Dortmund, but I'm saying most of the clubs at that level, they can't afford his wages. They, they, they Dortmund is, is a youth youthful team. You don't add a Ronaldo to that team. He, like, he's not Adding Ronaldo to Dortmund is not taking them to the Bundesliga title or anything like that. So there's no point in making the signing. It has to be a realistic signing that makes sense. And if Ronaldo realizes that, it, like, let's be real. If Chelsea don't make the move to sign, I don't know any other big club that's making the move. Bayern Munich aren't calling him and saying, yeah, I need Ronaldo. Like, like it could happen. I doubt it. There's no other huge club that, that, that's up there. Like a Another team United in the level. French League? There is. No, Monaco aren't making that. PSG don't want him. PSG is the only team realistically in the French League. He's, and they don't see him going back to the Serie A. I just, it's looking like he doesn't have much other options. And I know Sporting Lisbon would welcome Ronaldo back with open arms. Especially at this age, it would be a, a, a level down. I'm not going to act like he would go dominate the Portuguese league. Like he would drop 40 goals or whatever, but he would, he, he would still be very effective there. And, and he, it would be a perfect way for him to finish off the last two to three seasons of his career. I don't know if he has any plans of potentially going to the MLS or things like that. I don't think he should be jumping from. The level he's at now to MLS. If he went to MLS right now, he would dominate. He would. Even at 37 years old. He still has the opportunity to play in a good league. Let's not act like the Portuguese league is bad. It's a solid league. They play Champions League football. They still play European football. And and it's, I think, based on the, the, the metrics, the UEFA metrics, technically the Portuguese league is a tougher league than the French league. Based on the UEFA metrics. It's a tougher league. So the Portuguese league is no slouch. And to go home and wrap up your career essentially with Sporting Lisbon, it would be a, it would be a choreographic ending. It just makes sense, I think, at this point. It would be interesting to see, though, if he did go to the French league because then Messi and Ronaldo would be competing in the same league again. However, there's no club in the French league that's signing him. It's just not happening. Like if PSG, if PSG don't want to do it, which they don't, because they still have the front three already of Neymar, Messi, and Mbappe. They're, they they have no reason to get Ronaldo, and there's no other French league team that could get him. And they could, however, Mbappe is leaving. Potentially leaving. And, and, and he said that it's fake and the rumor. Like, yeah, Mbappe, I don't think he's leaving. But if, if he, he does. I don't see it happening. 
but especially because Ronaldo, this Ronaldo situation is coming to a T so soon. It, it's going to happen. They're saying he's going to terminate the contract potentially next week. Oof. So if it's going to happen as soon as next week, Mbappe, that 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 saga isn't going to be anywhere close to being done for that. Next to week, Ronaldo gone from Man United. Potentially. Potentially. And if it doesn't happen next week, they'll probably wait and they'll sell him in the January transfer window or something like that. But pretty much by January, Ronaldo will not be a Manchester United player and he will be finding a new club, wherever that is. I, I think it, the two options right now, I could say Chelsea because we seem to be slightly interested. And if he doesn't go to Chelsea, there's no other option. You go sporting. I want him seeing, to play in one of the top five leagues, though. I just still want to see him play in one of those leagues and show the world that he's still able to perform there. He's, he might get the opportunity with Chelsea. However, it's going to be tough. It will be tough. Speaking of Chelsea, they just played a match today against Manchester United. You know, Ronaldo obviously didn't contribute at all because of the walk-off. He wasn't even in the squad. Um, it was an interesting match. I think, you know, obviously it ended 1-1. I think... It was a very, very convincing Manchester United performance, and I hate to say it as a Chelsea fan. To be quite honest, we got dominated for the most part. I, I was very impressed from what I saw from Eric Ten Hag's side. I think tactically he got it spot on, uh, and I think that's something we are starting to see. Eric Ten Hag really is, start, is really implementing his style of football on Manchester United. We see them playing out of the back very well. We see them holding possession well. We see them pressing well. Chelsea, to be quite honest, we got completely and utterly dominated pretty much for most of that game. Um, especially in the first half. It, it was just Chelsea didn't have much of the ball to even do anything because Manchester United was pressing so well and we couldn't even hold the ball. And it, it was just Manchester United couldn't quite break us down. They weren't able to get that finishing touch. Anthony had a very good opportunity to score. They had a couple other chances. The one clear-cut opportunity they did have with Anthony... He was just, he put it slightly wide. He just didn't finish the job. And I, and I said it, when you are this dominant, but you're still playing a quality team like Chelsea, you have to take advantage, especially when you're playing away from home. Manchester United did not take advantage of how dominant they were. Then they give away a, a silly penalty in the 86th minute or whatever. Jorginho was able to score it completely against the run of play. Chelsea, I said it immediately after, this was undeserved as hell, but I'll take it. You know, anytime you can get three points against Manchester United, you're like, I can take it. And then we defended so well pretty much the entire game. Didn't really give up that many chances. As soon as we score, Manchester United, they hit the attack. And they just pounded us, pounded us, pounded us. They continued to try to break us down until Casemiro scores a brilliant header. 94th minute to equalize. It's disappointing. You know, it's very disappointing because we defended so well. Kepa, the, you know, he had a great game. And a lot of people are slandering Kepa because he should have saved the header against Casemiro. They said he should have saved it. He got a hand to it, and then it hit the post, and then it barely went an inch over the line. They're saying he should have saved it. Anybody hating on Kepa after this game, is it, 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 they're out of their minds. You don't know ball. Mendy's if, a great player. Mendy is a great player. Some people said Mendy would have saved it. Kepa wouldn't have. Blah, blah, blah. Kepa didn't save it. But if you blame Kepa for this for that goal and, and for the reason as Chelsea tying this game, you're out of your mind. Because Kepa had a great game. He's been on great form. And to blame him for this goal, which was just poor defending, if I'm being quite honest, it is completely and utterly pathetic. And that's why the fan base for Chelsea can be toxic. 
Because Kepa has been playing so well under Graham Potter. And then he makes not even a mistake, but people are viewing it as a mistake. And he's getting slandered like no tomorrow. It's, it's disgraceful in my opinion because Kepa, he had a great game. Overall, my reaction is that I don't, I don't know if Man United, would, I could say, is back in their prime. But overall throughout the season, I think we all can agree that they're starting to creep back up there. They are. And that potentially they could be a top four team. Most definitely. They most definitely can. So that basically that, that's overall my takeaway is that they're not necessarily back in their prime, but they'll definitely be able to compete within the year soon. Maybe ne- probably by next season. Yeah, I think if you give Eric Ten Hag the time, and I think that th- he has shown such great signs that they're going to give him the time. Making good trades like Casemiro. And, and he, scored the, he scored the equalizing goal. And that's what I'm trying to say. You give Eric Ten Hag time. Like we said, they're giving him the time. He is going to do wonders with this team. He's already done wonders. Give him another transfer window. If they bring in some more players that Eric Ten Hag wants to fit a system, Oof. it's going to be scary. Because they're already a great team. They're playing much, much better than what we ever... I, like I Rashford, never, Bruno Fernandes. He, he's turned around Rashford's career. He's turned around some players' career. Anthony has been playing great, although he did miss a good opportunity today. Exactly. Die, Diago Dallo, very good uh, performance today. Bruno Fernandes has been playing good. Players are playing very well. He's getting the best out of the players he's got. His tactics are great. Eric Ten Hag, I have to give you a round of applause because you have turned around Manchester United. And, and some people doubted him. I always knew he was a great manager. However, I thought Manchester United would maybe ruin him. It's the other way around. Eric Ten Hag is saving Manchester United. What an appointment. What a great appointment for Manchester United. Not going to say they're back yet, but next season it's going to be scary. Exactly. So switching it over from sports to music. We got Drake. In 21, just announced that they're dropping a collab album, Her Loss, dropping October 28th. Which is uh, just a few days away now. I'm not going to lie. There had been some rumors of the project. You know, like uh, I think Rap official Instagram account posted that there were some rumors. And 21 Savage officially said on the Instagram account that it was Cap. But he was capping about it being Cap. I'm not going to lie. This is going to be an amazing project. I mean, Drake and 21, I can't think of them. They've never missed on a song together. Never. They have never missed yet. And now they're going to come together and make a whole project. It just makes sense. It's about time we have a really classic uh, potential collab album come out. You know, we have, like, I, I love a good collab album. And, and I'm not going to consider Quavo and take off a collab album. It's just, they, they were always been kind of collab. Yeah, they're, they're the Migos. This is two artists well, that we, we didn't necessarily expect. To come together and they're dropping a project. I, Drake and Twenty One, they sound good together. They vibe well together. The the beat selection they always have together is good. I think Twenty One Savage brings out the best in Drake. He always has. Like how pe- people say they love that song off his last album. That was their best. That Jimmy was the Cook. best song, Jimmy Cooks. Exactly. Twenty One Savage has consistently brought the best out of Drake, and I think he's gonna do the same again on this whole project. If they are able to translate that into a whole project, it, it's it's going to be an amazing project. I think hopefully they keep the, the track list, you know, not too long because I, I've always said you can't have too much filler on a, on a good project. I don't, I don't think they will. I think it's going to be a short, concise project because 21 always seems to drop, you know, concise projects. 12 to 16 max. 12 to 16 max. 
And if they do that, they have the proper features. I don't know exactly who, who could be featured on this. I, I think they only need one to two features. They don't need too many. That's what I was going to get into. I think they're only going to have one feature one on this feature. album, and think? it's going to be Future. And he's going to be on a couple of songs. I, I could see a Future feature. And I think, bro, I it's going to be crazy fire just because of the success that Drake had with, with, with Future. Future on his, Future's last album. Their connection in the past. The name of the album, Her Loss. Yeah, that, it, yeah. It's just all adding up to where... It's gonna be future on this album. <laughs> that's yeah. that's just what it's gonna be, and I'm I'm in for it, man. Because I know Future's an amazingly talented artist, especially when he can connect with big artists such as Drake and Twenty One Savage. And let's not forget the last time that Twenty One Savage dropped a quote unquote kind of surprise collab album around this time of year, around Halloween, was with Offset with for Without Warning. And looking back on it. People admit it was a classic album, a classic collab album. Nobody kind of expected it at the time. It was a classic. Without Warning is an amazing project. And 21 and Future have something in common. One of their, both their favorite producers, Metro Boomin. And that's what I was going to get into because we have not seen enough of Drake and Metro Boomin. Obviously, we remember What a Time to Be Alive around that 2015 time. Metro Boomin was the guy in the game. He still is, in my opinion. But Drake was working with him so, so much. Metro Boomin is the greatest producer in the game right now. And Drake has not worked with him enough. I think every time Drake and Metro Boomin have linked up, it's going to be a banger. Success. And if we can get a lot of production on this album, Drake being on the project with 21, I mean, the production is going to be Metro Boomin, a lot of Metro <laughs> Boomin, 808 Mafia, Southside, those types of guys. This album is going to be... It's going to be a classic. Classic? It's going to yeah, be a classic. I, I want to say a classic, but I'm not. It's going to be a classic. It's hard to say. Like, obviously, there's no guarantees on the production or anything like that, but I expect a heavy dose of Metro Boomin and Southside and 808 Mafia and all of those types of guys. Literally, if, if, if it was just those three guys, it's going to be a classic. Oh, you don't need much. Drake, 21 Savage, Metro Boomin, that is good enough right there. If, if the whole album was produced by Metro Boomin, I would say it's going to be a classic. I love 808 Mafia as well, so if he gets some beats in there, I'm not going to be opposed of it. What do you think you're going to rate it? What do I think I'm going to... I'm expecting... What are you expecting? What I'm expecting... I don't want to say I'm expecting a 10 because I think that's harsh. Exactly. It, it would be harsh of me to say that this album I'm expecting a 10. Although, I am expecting high expectations. If I'm going in and expecting a 10, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to expect an 8. Damn, I was going to say a nine. At the bare minimum, an eight. I'm expect like, it has to be a bare minimum, an eight. I would love for it to be a nine. I think it will be a nine or ten. I think it will be a nine. But at the, I'm saying the bare minimum. If it's anything less than my, then if I'm coming back next week at when we're reviewing the album, if I come back next week and say anything less than an eight, it's a disappointment. It, it has to be a disappointment because this is unexpected people didn't expect this album it's out of nowhere kind of surprise drop to a certain extent it has to be good they've been working on it in secret i got it more selling than clb i got it at 800k what you think it's selling 800k I was going to say 700 to 800, but that's oh too big of a range, bro. God. That's too big of a range, bro. Oh I could have said 750, but I'm I'm going high with this one, bro. Oh I'm thinking 800K, god. bro. Oh my god. 800K with CLB already being a great album Jeez. and you're 
And then you're putting in the mix with 21 Savage, bro. Like, it's just, whew. Jesus, man, that's good. I mean. And then with what I'm thinking is when they add, when they add these future songs, bro, that's just going to take it over the top. We know how good Future and Drake did on his last song with, uh, with um, I can't remember the name of the song off the top of my head. That's crazy, but. On CLB? No, um, with Drake and Future on Future's last album, I believe it was right. Uh, I can't remember. Take take it, it, like it was the um, the music video and everything. Life is good. What whatever it was, we know that they'll be able to do great. It's, yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. I mean, I I know just, uh, CLB sold out like 600k first week, and I think. Uh, honestly, never mind. It was like like only 200k, which is pretty damn low for Drake standards. I do think it'll be selling more than than, than honestly, never mind. Obviously, collab projects typically don't sell quite as well as like solo full projects or anything like that. I don't think it's gonna sell quite uh, what CLB sold, just because they haven't uh, promoted it. Like they haven't promoted it for long. It's and and. Announcing it a week before is giving it a good time to generate hype, but not long enough. It, like, realistically, CLB was promoted for years almost. Like, it was like, literally a year, I think, Drake was teasing CLB, building the hype. There's obviously going to be a lot of hype around this project, but not enough, I think, to get it to the huge, huge numbers. However, given the fact that it's Drake, it's 21, there is a lot of hype around it, and it is Drake, and I think we're going to get fully rapping Drake which I think is what people want to see because that's why I say 21 brings out the best in Drake because if 21 and Drake are on a song, it's going to be some hard rap in Drake. Maybe not quite hard, but you're going to get rap in Drake. Not no, whatever, honestly, never mind was Drake. <laughs> it will be interesting to see what a single does if they do tend on dropping a single. I, be- I don't think they are, though. I think they're just yeah. going to put out the project as it is. Like, no single. It would be interesting to see what it did, the numbers that it did. I think if I have to put a number, if I have to put a number on what I think this is going to sell, I'm, I'm going to say 400K. 400k just because that would be great for 21 savage because I mean, lately he hasn't no but he's never even sold anything close to that yeah so that'd be that'd be great for him um but for drake we've been we like it's crazy because we've been getting burned on our sales we predicted quavo would take off to do way better than they actually did and stuff like that and that's because the is, way that they gather numbers has changed but this is drake and it, it, like he just always says if little baby is selling 200k then Drake and 21, they have to be selling like more than Lil Baby, 300, 400K. I'm going to say 400K because I think this is going to be a classic. And it's dropping right around Halloween time. People are going to want them vibes. I think people are going to be listening to this a lot. It, I think it's going to probably break some streaming numbers. It's going to do crazy things. And, and this is a collab. Like People were saying before they even announced a collab album that Drake and 21 is the best current rap duo right now. They said it was the best, it, like, like one of, if not the best. So now they're they're officially coming together for a project. They haven't missed on a song, like I said. So I think it's going to be unbelievable. It's hard, bro, because you got little baby and Gunna when they were doing their thing. I don't think the young I, thug I, I, and Gunna. I, I don't know if they're fully counting them though, because they're like not a current rap duo. Because Gunna is doing it, young yeah, thug and they're doing like things or whatever. If, if, if you're considering them, I, I think there's obviously there's a lot of good duos. You know, Drake and Lil Baby is a good duo. But it's going to be interesting to see what this album does. I, 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 I never, I'm not going to, I never really 100% expected it. 
So to get a full project from these two, it's going to be really, really interesting. It, it's an amazing thing for 21 Savage's career, though. I think this is going to take him up to the next level. Bigger than he already was. You get a whole a whole project with Drake, it's going to take 21 to the next level. Bet. So we got that new Youngboy album. My Got a Family. Cosign. Produced by DJ Drama. Yeah, it was an official Gangsta Grills mixtape album type thing. And my initial thoughts on the project, it is the best young boy release we've gotten in a long time. I can definitely agree. When I first listened to the, some of the tracks off this album, I was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. And then I listened to the full project. And front to back, it was a good, solid project. The Arguably, I would say the best album he's put out in 2022. He's put out, this is the sixth, I think. It was way better than 3,800 Degrees, which just dropped, I think, what, two weeks ago or whatever. It, it was potentially the the most cohesive young boy project from front to back I've heard in a very long time. Potentially since, like, Sincerely Cantrell. I think that was the one that was getting a lot of comparisons. Yeah. Early comparisons that was saying it was just as good, if not better than that. And I can agree with that. I think that it was interesting like I, with only two features, you know, I was wondering how was it gonna fully, you know, translate. DJ drama talking on the album just kind of help it out. The two features they did their thing, you know. Shout out to Nikki, she did her thing, she always does. And then Yeet, the most unexpected collab of 2022, some would say. It was good. It was a good collab. And I necessarily don't really listen to Yeet, but it was fire. Not like I necessarily listen to Nicki Minaj either, but Yeet was fire. Yeah, no, and and. They both did their thing, and Youngboy did his thing on this project. The beat selection was great. The lyricism was good. I think one of the standout songs was was the the one produced by Chief Keef for me. The one produced by Chief Keef for me, that was a standout track. I, I never really expected to hear Chief Keef and Youngboy like that. Obviously, Chief Keef wasn't featured or anything like that, but just on the Chief Keef beat. What, what was the name of the track? I don't, I don't remember. I could, I'm going to look. I can look. I saved it. But, well, all the problems. All the problems. All the problems. Well, if I'm overall going to give it a rate, I'm going to say it's an eight. Ooh. A solid eight. Solid eight? Solid eight. Pretty good. It's not It's not a nine or a ten because it's not nothing crazy, crazy, but I'm not going to give it a seven or a six or act, and act like it's mid. Uh-huh. So I got to give it an eight. Solid eight. One track that stood out to me was Rose Gold. Uh-huh. So for those of you that are watching and tend to listen to that album, that's definitely the first song I would definitely recommend you listening to. Rose Gold. Yeah. I would say if I have to give this album a rating, my initial thoughts, I don't think, uh, and you you hinted that you think a seven is, is closer to mid. I give an album a seven. I don't think it's mid by any stretch of the imagination. I'm, I'm gonna give this album a solid seven. You know, well, it's not necessarily mid, but it's not as good as an eight. Uh, obviously, I think that this album is a solid seven, which is the best uh, young boy has kind of put out in a minute. Obviously, better than 3800 degrees and stuff like that. I think a solid eight. I think what could have made this a little better. Another feature. Another feature or two. There was, you know what I mean. That that's kind of what it needs. And, you know, with Youngboy, he's not going to collaborate too, too much with other people. But I think 
DJ Drama pulled some strings. You know, Youngboy, I don't think Youngboy was phoning up Yeet saying, let me get you on the song. DJ Drama likes Yeet. They've collaborated in the past. Uh, I think they he kind of put that together. So I think DJ Drama could have potentially put more ho- people with hooked him. him up with a couple other people that that you know actually rock with him. Maybe some more music videos because I remember we mentioned T Grizzly and the way he projected his music videos, yeah. and obviously because he's telling a story. But Young Boy could have done something. Yeah, I, I think it's a solid seven. And considering how much Young Boy drops to to get consistent sixes, sevens, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, you have to give him credit for that because he's dropping hella music. I remember Lil Wayne saying that at some point, man, he just just run out of stuff to say. <laughs> Speaking of Youngboy dropping so, so much music, what are your thoughts on the how much music Youngboy puts out? Do you think he puts out too much music, or does he put out too little music? I think it's just the type of artist he is. And I don't, because I, there's some artists who just tend to put, up, put out a lot, a lot of music. I just don't think we've seen it to this caliber yet. I don't think so either, yeah. Do I think it's a bad thing? It's a blessing and a curse because you want to put out those. You want to make sure you're putting out all those songs because there could be a banger mm-hmm. in in those songs. But how much is it taking away from the quality from the songs that actually do hit? Because you got so many other songs on that album that are kind of mid. Yeah. So how much does it really take away from the best song on the album? <sighs> Overall, I think I think you should just keep doing it, man. Just keep doing his thing, and I think it's gonna work out. I would say, you know, similar to your point, we don't see almost any other artist drop as much as Youngboy does. It's something that makes him stand out. I think it's one of the reasons why he's grown his fan base so large. You know, we're going to talk about the top streaming artist in 2022 in a little bit. Youngboy is on that list. He's right behind Drake. We're going to talk about that list in a, in a couple segments. But the fact of the matter is there's a reason why he's been getting those numbers. There's a reason why he's built the fan base that he has. And it's because he drops so much music. People are always talking about him. His name is always in the news. We've been talking about him so much on the pod because he's been dropping so much music. We got a review. I think he should just he should just continue to drop the amount of albums that he's dropping, but just with less tracks. I, that and that's a that's a good that's a potential idea. I think you know maybe he drops more ten song albums or something like that, and, and he kind of condenses it up a little bit and drops like ten bangers, something like that. It's an option. If if I'm a I don't think he should be dropping more or less necessarily. I, I think he should keep doing it at the rate that exactly. he's going. You know, he said that he's going for 10 albums this year. Do I think he should drop 10 albums every single year? Maybe not. But if he's going to drop five to seven albums every year, you got to tell me you're taking that, bro. Of course. There are artists where you barely get an album every two years. You know what I mean? Like, like for example, Uzi or Cardi or whatever, like Uzi has not dropped an official album. In what, two years or whatever? And then before that, Eternal Take was three. Most big, big artists, especially the size of Youngboy and, and all these other artists, they take way longer to put out a, a body of work. Youngboy just says, hey, I'm just going to keep putting out music. And with him continuously to put out music, it's one of the reasons why his fan base is so exactly. strong. He, exactly. He, he has a fan base that really rocks with him. Because they keep hearing his words. Exactly. I do wish more artists copied the young boy style and maybe they don't go so extreme and drop seven albums in a year or something like that but i just think other artists should be taking a look at what young boy does because they have other artists have so much songs in the vault that's what i'm trying to say other artists need to be taking a look at what young boy is doing and they need to say wow this is a good strategy put out let me put out more music and then i'll potentially 
get my name into the top five most streamed artists list of 2022. You know what I'm trying to say? I don't, I think that the time has passed for artists to be able to wait two to three years for between albums. Facts. It is, it is 2022, almost 2023. It, that is not the reality of music anymore. Fans are hungry. Fans are always hungry and music comes and goes so fast because everyone is putting out projects so quickly. If you don't put out a project almost once a year, how can you be competing with Youngboy who's putting out seven? You just can't. You're just not going to get the numbers. You're not going to get the numbers. You will never be as big as YB if you are doing that. It's just the facts. And YB is going to consistently put out bodies of work. And I think other artists need to say, hey, I'm going to take this approach. And maybe not go to the extreme, but I want to see more artists dropping two to three, four albums a year. Because it's they're making all that music anyway. They're just putting it in the vault. So many artists got thousands of songs in the vault. Let's drop them. We got some, I'm sure you got some hits in there. Exactly. It's like Lil Yachty. Lil Yachty said, I did not expect this random song I made called Poland to be a freaking hit, almost a number one hit. It leaks and it goes crazy on TikTok and, and social media. It goes viral. Imagine it never leaked. That would have never did what it did. Yachty would have never known. So, but I think it speaks volumes to the fact that you don't know in this era of music what's going to be a hit and what's not. It's true. So you just, when you record a song, you should have a full intention of putting it out. Yachty would have never put out Poland. He said it in an interview. He would have never put it out. It leaks. It catches, a, it catches the wave that it did, and he put it out. Sounds it, like a song a, that he wouldn't put out. Exactly. He would have never put that song out. Artists need to be more okay with putting out more music. Because that's where you find hits. You don't Facts. know what's going to take it. When Uzi dropped Exo Tour Life on a random EP, Love is Rage 1.5, he didn't know it was going to be his biggest hit song in his whole career. But it, it, he put it out there and let it get the opportunity to do so. And it did. So people need to be okay with putting out more music because that's how you're going to find hits. There are probably so many hits in the vaults of these artists that we'll never hear because they're... They don't want to put it out or they think it's too old or whatever. They think it's an ass song. Put it out and let the people judge because some songs are going to take off that you don't expect as an artist. And even if it leaks, it may not get the streaming recognition it deserves. Exactly. There's so many leaks. Like Playboy Cardi is a good example. So many leaks that are hits, but he just never put them out. Exactly. Same with other artists, Future, No Cap. There are so many leaks out there, but but it's not even just leaks. It's not even about just the leaks. It's about songs that potentially unheard. Un- unheard songs. songs that we are unheard now, and we might never hear. But there are guaranteed hits in those in the in those vaults that they are just not putting out for whatever reason. And that's what then YB is saying. Just put out your music, and that's what I think people need to start doing. Facts. One person putting out music is Fredo Bang dropping his new album called UNLV. UNLV. <laughs> I know you're the you're a bigger Fredo Bang fan than me per se. So yeah, I would like to hear your comments first. I was excited to hear the project. I, uh, first of all, he had been putting out a lot of singles and a lot of fire singles. You know, especially he's been dropping a lot of music videos. When I first saw the track list for, I was a little bit confused because there were some songs on here that were on other albums. You know, that like, like last one left. You know, we heard that with Roddy Rich. He dropped the solo version on this project. I was a little bit confused by things like that. And there was a song called Hard For You that was on, two, uh, on Two-Face Bang 2, but then it's on this album too. 
So it's kind of weird. I don't quite understand why he's redropping songs. But for the most part, for the especially for the songs that I, that were new, we hadn't heard. It was it was a, it was a pretty good album. I would say it was solid. It was alright. There was some good songs on there, and it's, I'm not gonna sit up here and act like it's the greatest album of all time or anything like that. I'm not even gonna say it's the best Fredo album. I don't think it, it's. I don't think Fredo's last two bodies of work, this one and the one before Two Face Bang Two, were as good as his previous tapes. You know, whether it's a um, Long Live G that tape or it's the uh, murder. I think it's called Murder Made Me. I, I murder remember. Made Me. Yeah. Exactly. I think those two tapes are much better. You know, they had a lot of bangers, a lot of songs. I can still listen to those tapes pretty much, you know, the whole tape. Yeah. I'm not going to act like this, these tapes are bad, but I feel like Fredo has been going a little bit different with his music. He said it in the, in the DJ Academics interview. He's trying to become more versatile. He's trying to rap about different things. He doesn't want to be the guy who's just rapping about the gangs and stuff like that anymore. It's not him. You know, it is him, but it's not 100% him. It's not all about him. You know what I'm saying? So he wants to switch it up. And that's what we've seen with the last two projects. I don't think it's quite as good, but I'm not going to sit up here and act like it's bad or even mid. I think it's a real solid project. If I had to give it a rating, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a six. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a six. I'll give it a six as well. It, it's it's solid. It's got some good features. It's that thing with Fredo. Some lyrics are, are he's just he he loves talking about women. You know, he loves talking about that, and and that's his ver- idea of versatility. And, you know. It, I'm not gonna act like it translates a hundred. Like sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Don't, it don't. Yeah. So it, it's a mixed bag, and I think that's some some of what you can see on this project. But you know, I don't think every anytime Fredo drops, you're over here expecting a total classic or anything like that. You're just expecting a solid project where you got a couple songs that you can add to the playlist, and I think that's what we got. So I'm thinking twenty twenty five k. Yeah, I don't even know. What 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 Fredo kind of normally sells? I think last album was like twenty twenty five k. That's range. what I'm thinking. So I would say he's probably gonna sell around the same. Obviously, I don't think it's, it's necessarily about the sales for Fredo. You know, it's he's still he's he's he's, he's kind of where he's at in the game. He can still get bigger, but you know, I don't think it's necessarily about the sales for him. He just wants to put out the music, and I can respect that. He's still doing his thing. So let's get into the next topic. We got the most, we got the top five most stream artists. In 2022. In, twen- in 2022. And we, we hinted a little bit at the list, uh, what we saw, you know, because we, we said, you know, Drake obviously on the list, Young Boy. So list, the, the, the official. Li- yeah, the list put out by our generation music. The official list, number one most stream artist of 2022, no surprise, Drake. Number two, NBA Young Boy. <laughs> number three, Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny. Number four, The Weeknd. And number five, Juice World. Juice World. Obviously, Drake topping the list, but we see the rest of this list. Do you think there's anyone that's undeserving of their spot on this list? The only person that I would say is Lil Baby. Honestly, man, he's just always been putting up numbers, and numbers, obviously, that's what shows. So I, I just honestly think Lil Baby, man. Should be just, on the list? Yeah, Lil Baby, bro. Because people are still listening to his old old stuff so you're surprised he's not on the list exactly people are still listening to his old stuff from 2021 2020 2020 so and that's the same with the other artists obviously but yeah i just think people are streaming little baby more bro you're hearing well, it obviously in the streets not. maybe in the streets but obviously this is the official list so they're not getting the same streams or whatever i'm not necessarily surprised by anyone on the list necessarily i think you expect drake to be number one on the list pretty much every year it's drake there's no surprise there. Moving on to Young Boy, 
we just talked about him. Considering how much music he's been putting out and how big he's getting because of he's putting the music he's putting out, it's no surprise he's over here with 5.4 billion streams. Exactly. And number three, it's honestly slightly, potentially a surprising that he's not higher on the list, potentially with Drake, competing directly with Drake. Number two, exactly. Bad Bunny. We know just how, this guy is selling out stadiums. He's selling out stadiums, bro. Kanye West says when he makes music now, he puts a photo of Bad Bunny on the wall because that's his inspiration because he, he's literally one of the biggest, if not the biggest in the game. The whole music is a genre, not just rap or anything like that. And then, you know, The Weeknd being there, I'm not going to act like I'm a big The Weeknd fan or anything like that, but I know he, he's been putting out some good bodies of work for his fans, and he's a huge artist. He has some diehard fans. And he has some diehard fans, and After Hours, people consider that to be a classic album, still getting a lot of streams now. And then he put out Dawn FM or whatever. That's getting a lot of streams. I'm not surprised he's right there. But then it is potentially slightly surprising. It's not surprising considering how much his fans go for him, but it's surprising that with no album put out this year by the label or anything like that, that he's here. Juice World. Juice World. Right behind The weekend with 3.74 billion streams, and, and The weekend only has 3.75. It's surprising to a certain extent because, you know, I know how how diehard the Juice World fans are and how just how big he was getting and how big he is, even, you know, unfortunately after his death. But for him to be number five on this list, if twenty, it, it is really impressive, and it obviously R.I.P. Juice. It's sad. It's the talent that I wish was still here with making music. It's Sadly, I don't think he'll make the next list next year, but it's an amazing achievement that he was able to make it this year, like you said, without dropping a project. And that's what, well, and yeah, the label didn't even put anything out. I think that just goes to show where Juice World was going, man. We knew how big he was going to be. And it's, what, two years or three years after his death. And here he still is being on the top five most streamed artists of 2022 list. It, it's extremely impressive and, you know, obviously R.I.P. Juice because I wish he was still here making music, man. It's, I, ama- I it's amazing, though, that he was able to get on the list, man. It it's is. It's amazing. You know, I, I consider it one of, one of the greatest things I was able to do. Seeing him in person live, you know, was, was a blessing considering what happened. You know, R.I.P. Juice, man. There ain't, a, there ain't enough to say about it. It's R.I.P. Juice. R.I.P. Juice, man, and it's good to end on that. I mean, it's good to end on where we did on that topic. Now let's get to the next one. Exactly. We got Jay-Z. He's not doing well with Picardi, man. He's all, the ties will be split. Yeah, well, it, it's looking inevitable at this point. Obviously, he's suing them. I'm not going to lie, man. Bacardi is doing him dirty. They, they, they're doing him dirty. Exactly. They're hella doing him dirty, man. He literally brought this brand up, man. He, he shouted them out in countless verses. He literally sipped on Bacardi so, so much, bringing it popularity because we knew how big Jay-Z was and still is. And it's not like Bacardi wasn't known before, but like... But he, Jay-Z once, took it up, man. Exactly. Once they did the collab, it's just they were on a whole nother level. And... To me, it's disrespectful almost to do what Bacardi is doing because they're over here trying to short him on the money that he should be getting out of his stock in it. Exactly. And, and that, 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 look, Bacardi, they would still be a great, great you know, alcoholic brand or whatever without Jay-Z, but they wouldn't be at the level they're at now. Yeah, man. So he deserves his profit. You know what I mean? He deserves yeah. what, he, what he deserves. He deserves his, what, his 50%. He deserves to get the full amount of money. And I read on the TMZ article 
one of the main reasons why he cares so much about getting his money from this is because of how much it really is going to exactly. be. Exactly. Casamigos, George Clooney, when he sold his stake in Casamigos, was $1 billion. billion. $1 billion. So I don't know exactly how much it's going to be for Bacardi, but I know that's going to be a lot of money. I don't know if it's going to be a billion. I don't know exactly. $750 million, whatever. But that's a lot of money. Hella money. So even if I'm a billionaire like Jay-Z, I'm trying to make sure I get the, my proper money off of this. You know, Of course. To, and it, it's... They're just doing them dirty, man. Of course, and they just need to show them, show them the financial reports, but they're obviously not. And Because they know they're trying to screw them. For Jay-Z's future, it honestly looks like he's going to start on a, a brand By on himself. his own. On his own, and he's, he's going to do what potentially Kanye's going to do, and he's just going to do everything on his own. Like Kanye's going to make his stores on his own. Jay-Z's going to probably make his own alcohol or whatever. Exactly. So that's what it's going to end up being. And that speaks volumes because I think that's what a lot of people need to be doing nowadays, man. It, it, it's time to do a lot of solo stuff, man. These brands, you know, if you're an artist, these brands don't have your best interest in mind. And at the end of the day, Jay-Z brought Bacardi to where they were, where they are now. And he tries to get out of it and they're doing them dirty. Yeah, and although the, some, some collaborations between main brands and artists have been successful with like Travis Scott or whatever have yeah. you. But not, they don't always work out. They don't always work out. And once and once you realize, once you see that, you got to start seeing that stuff from the beginning. Exactly. And I think it speaks volumes, man, because we have seen more and more sad, not sad, but like bad endings between people and their collaborators. Of course. And, you know, obviously one person who we have seen kind of countless bad endings with collaborators is Kanye West, now known as Ye. Facts. Obviously, he's pretty much lost every kind of collaborative partner at this point because of what he's been doing. But now he officially loses Balenciaga. And I think with this, it, it doesn't change things, I think, for Kanye at all. I think, obviously, he probably would like to continue to have still done work for Balenciaga and with Balenciaga. However, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think it's just a more tell, to, total sign that... Kanye needs to be doing stuff fully solo from here on in. Exactly. One of the biggest problems that comes with Kanye and his brand deals that are ending is that a balance between freedom of speech and him being a representative for these companies. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like if you're if you're Balenciaga and he's saying all this stuff and, you know, People aren't going to buy your product because of it. You don't really want to be associated with him. However, I can't blame him. Exactly. However, Kanye should be able to speak freely about whatever he wants. Should be. That's why he bought Parlor. And that's why it's going to be the best thing when he starts his own stores, his own company, and doing 100%. his own thing because he'll be able to say whatever he wants and his fans are still going to buy his products no matter what. I 100% agree with that. It's just about that time that. Yeezy is independent. Kanye's clothes and all of that. Everything should just be under the Yeezy brand. And whatever designs he was given to Balenciaga, just make them on your own shirts, my guy, because there is no point in working with these companies no more. Obviously, they are going to cut you off as soon as it starts to go a little bit south with you. The only person who isn't going to cut off Kanye West at this point is Kanye West himself. Exactly. So he needs to be working by himself. Obviously, he still has the fans that are riding for him. And not going to lie, Kanye still is, is a genius in terms of the clothing game. You say what you want about his political opinions or if you agree, disagree, you hate him, whatever. 
He has been a clothing genius, and people are going to buy his clothes regardless. Although in the past, people have made fun of some of his designs. They sell amazing. They, they, they go amazing. Because they, they sell, they sell the numbers. Sa- the same designs that people originally hate on, they end up liking. It grows on people. Kanye, he's a, he's a visionary. He's ahead of his time. Facts. Especially with the designs. I'm not going to say he's always ahead of his time with his political opinions or anything like that. I agree with some things he says. I disagree with some things he says. But strictly on the fashion side of things, he's a visionary. He's ahead of his time. He's, he's done amazing things for Adidas. He's the reason Adidas is almost irrelevant nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Like Adidas fell off so hard. Kanye was the only thing holding them up with the Yeezy brand. And I was saying he needs to make Yeezy go independent. And that's obviously where they're going with that. Now he needs to stop doing these collaborations with these fashion companies and put all his work into his own stuff. You know what I'm trying to say? Facts. You ready to dive into culture? I'm ready. So we got Elon Musk planning to lay off upwards of 75% of his Twitter staff. <laughs> You take the good and the bad with that because you are laying off staff that have been loyal loyal to Twitter for all of these years. Yeah. However, obviously they haven't been performing well, and that's why he's getting rid of the staff. Because there's so many bots and stuff on Twitter. It's not the the most well-run social media platform. Exactly. By any stretch of the imagination. And, and I'm sure Elon Musk will be able to hire people that will be able to get the job done right. I, I, I have more faith in Elon Musk to do something like that i think he has ideas for what he wants to do with twitter i think he's going to try to take it to the next level i think he's going to try to make twitter a more versatile platform he's going to try to make it a platform where it's like everyone has to have a twitter account almost you know what I'm saying nowadays like like a lot of people do have a twitter account but not everyone uses twitter because it's not, it's not necessary you can get your information from instagram if you need you can do things on other platforms i think what elon sees is an opportunity with twitter to make it something that it's, it's, it's the, potentially the number one social media platform. And I think the beginning of that is to lay off Twitter staff because, quite frankly, they're not the best. You know what I mean? I think Elon knows he needs to solve the bot problem on Twitter. He needs to solve other things such as, you know, the spam and, and you know, there's, there's a lot of explicit content being posted on Twitter and stuff like that. I think he has a vision of what he wants to do. And I have full faith in him to be able to execute that vision. Fact. I can definitely agree, and like I said, he's going to lay off the staff and hire new ones that are going to be able to get the job done right. And just, and, and he's probably not going to hire about – he, he laid off 70%, but he's going to replace it with like 20% of actually good staff. Like like there was probably just too many workers on that Twitter staff in period. Now True. he's just going to lower that payroll, and he's just going to be – it's going to be a more effective staff. Exactly. I can definitely agree with that. Exactly. So let's get into the next topic. We've got Sony Outselling Microsoft, man. Killing them. Almost by double. With PS5s selling over 25 million copies, or consoles, and Xboxes. Xbox Xbox One, at one both of the new-gen Xboxes, only, both of them, both of them, only selling 16 million. It's just crazy. It, it's, it's just insane. And overall, PS5 has been winning this race against Xbox for a pretty much a long time. Now, would I say overall have Sony and Microsoft? Obviously, Microsoft is the bigger company. But when we're talking about gaming specifically, Sony has outselled, and they're the, I don't see it changing anytime soon, honestly. Yeah. And Xbox has continued to create amazing games. We got E3 coming, and they're, they're going to they're gonna announce new games soon and new ideas coming with Xbox. However, I just don't think it will be enough to change the trajectory of where it's going. 
how far the gap will be. Do I think everyone, like within 10 years, I think, do I think the gap will continue to grow and Xboxes won't be sold? Definitely not. I think Xboxes will continue to, Xbox and Microsoft will continue to stay in the gaming market. Mm-hmm. I just, I just don't think it's going to change anytime soon that PS5 will continue to outsell them. Yeah, I think for a while, you know. Or PlayStation. PlayStation. Most people, for the most part, they remember their most fond memories of Xbox being with the Xbox 360. That was peak Xbox. Everyone was having the Xbox 360. However, a lot of people then transferred to the PS4. And that's when Sony really started to take off and, and assert their dominance in this Sony versus Microsoft debate. And Xbox has never really been able to fully recover, although I, I, I've always kind of rocked with Xbox. I had that 360 at one point, then I upgraded to the Xbox One. Probably if I do get the next gen, I'll be upgrading to the Xbox Series X because I rock with Xbox and I like the controller. I'm comfortable on it. At this point, I've stuck with it for so long. Exactly. And I'm the same way. It would be kind of tough for me. to. It wouldn't be tough. To still, I would figure it out. It would be okay. But do I really want to go through all that work or whatever? Eh, I'm, I'm kind of We're good. sticking with Xbox. I'm, I'm, good Xbox. On, I'm good on that. However, I'm not surprised by this selling more almost double because you can see it in society. Bro, so many more people, at least that I, in my personal experience, were... were excited for the ps5 they had the ps4 so many people i couldn't play with my like so many of my boys back in the day because they all had ps4s exactly and then they all were excited as hell for the ps5 so it's not surprising that they all they outsold by by nine million which is almost double it's not surprising to me at all i don't really know what xbox can really do i don't think they have to do anything necessarily i think they kind of know at this point that ps5 has overtook them and to still sell 16 million consoles, they still know that they have, they're have they cemented in the game and they're still making a lot of damn money that they don't need to urgently be like, we have to find a way to overtake Sony. I think they're going to be comfortable to be in this second slot in the gaming console you know, kind of region. And Microsoft is still going to do other things that Sony isn't really doing well. And they're going to attempt to make it to the top as they always will. But- they're going to. No, they're going to, but do but are they actually going to do so? I think the gap is so wide now, it's going to be tough. Exactly. They would have to do something so revolutionary. But they'll always be in the game. Of course. They've already cemented themselves. If you're selling 60 million consoles, let's not act like that's a slouch. It's not. It's not always, a slouch by any stretch of the imagination. They'll always be on the market. Exactly. So we got Circle K. They're going to uh, potentially be selling marijuana in Florida store in Florida. By, by 2023 and once it gets recreational then they'll be they'll be doing that you know what i'm saying in every circle k and i think the key the key here is that quality will weigh out over how the quantity and how much you can get because sure i'm sure they're going to offer cheap cheap tree that you can buy but will it be the quality that you really really want not necessarily yeah, I, I I think it's it's I don't blame Circle K for wanting to get involved into the business. I think it's a very uh, financially profitable industry right now. I think we're seeing it rise, you know, potentially faster than ever before. And I don't blame gas stations for wanting to get involved because if it does become legal per se, uh, gas stations sell pretty much everything else. They're the main provider of nicotine, so it would be make sense alcohol. That it would make sense that they're the main provider of of this. I'm not surprised by this. I think it's a sign of the times. Do I think it's it's I think a lot of people will use it. So but will the the people who are diehards or anything like that, do I think that they're gonna be heading to the circle K to be like, yo, I gotta re up? No. But 
I think it's just more of a it, it's the reason why this is big news is because it, it's a sign of the, the of the times changing. The fact that it's going to be available for purchase like that, it's just going to be crazy. It's a sign of the times changing. Like you said, though, I think it'll be a good opportunity for them because oh, they're going to make a lot of money. Yeah, similar to Walmart, like it's really if they're going to be able to sell it at really really cheap prices, people are just going to want it because. They can get it at that cheap price. Exactly. And especially for people that really can't afford the exotic or the, the better sh- the better strains that would be coming out of other stores. Yeah. The, dispensaries. It, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how that all plays I out. I don't, yeah. I don't know exactly how it's going to all work or how it's going to play out. I, I, can, I can confidently say that I, I won't be doing that. I won't be <laughs> trusting it. I would never trust it from Circle K. I, I'm good <laughs> on that. You're not, you're not grabbing some Bud while you're getting your hot dog and your Polar Pop? Not, It's not on my itinerary, <laughs> I, I can confirm. I, I can confirm that's not going to be on my itinerary of things to do. But but for a lot of people, that's going to be their number one option now. And it's, it's, it's it makes sense for a certain case perspective, definitely. Yeah. Well, speaking of marijuana, we have an insta- instance with a Virginia mom getting charged with felony murder after her do- after her kid ingested Delta 8 gummies. <sighs> this is a horrible scenario. Honestly, it's hard to say because I'm sure that the, the father of the child is very, very upset at the mother and, w- and hopes, honestly, that she probably gets the maximum penalty because that was that was she definitely messed up that was their kid yeah however you gotta feel for the mother of course because you know that she most she 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 did it on accident she she was an accident she left him in the jar and the kid grabbed him do i believe that like she should be held accountable of course because she shouldn't have left them in a spot where the kid could grab them it's 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 really tough, man. It's really really tough. I, I I can say. It's it's not like she handed them to the kid. It's not like it was her intention for the kid to ingest these gummies or anything like that. I think, I'm not gonna sit up here and say that this Virginia mom should be getting no punishment. That she's not at fault. She is at fault because she did leave them out in a place that she shouldn't have left them out at. She left them out in especially a place that she shouldn't have left them out at, and in a place that the kid knew where to go. It was easy access. And obviously a kid was able to get it and then eat them because he just thinks he doesn't know any better. Obviously she should be getting punished for that. But for it to be felony murder, basically first degree murder, that's kind of tough. I feel like it's, I feel like it's harsh. I don't know exactly what it could be done. You, you, you hinted at like a manslaughter charge or something. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like involuntary manslaughter, like accidental murder. I feel like that is more along the lines of what potentially is a more fair charge because it's, it's not like the mom gave it to the child and was like yep here you go it's it, like that that's murder because you basically you, you, you were the main reason that the kid died and she still is the reason why the kid died because she had the gummies and the kid actually ate them but it wasn't like she gave them to the kid it wasn't like she wanted the kid to eat them it was just a an unlucky accident so i think she should be getting charged with the punishment definitely however felony murder to me seems a little bit tough because obviously she she seemed very obviously sad about it regretful she wishes she would have just put them up in a better location. She should, I don't know, man, felony murder seems a little bit tough because she might be getting life. 
Of course. She might be 30 years li- to life. She man. might be that's getting life for this. And, and, and that's kind of harsh because it was literally, she made one mistake. She just left out. And she's going to live with this for the rest of her life. She left out the, the bag of gummies or whatever it was in the wrong spot on accident. And the kid got him and ate him. That's not her fault necessarily. That like, It's not her fault that the kid went and did that. Obviously, it was her fault. She could have prevented it in the first place. But to get 30 to life potentially because of this murder, tra- it, it's tough, man. I, I, I feel like that is slightly harsh. But at the end of the day, she messed up. Of course, and she should be accountable for her actions. I just think that felony murder is a little bit tough. But exactly, and I could definitely agree. You know, what can you do? What can you do? So now we got McDonald's announcing their collab with Krispy Kreme. That they'll be selling their donuts in their stores. This right here, this this is like <laughs> this is like Kobe and Michael Jordan linking up right here. You think so? This is an iconic duo right here. This is this is like this I is, would have said the same thing if it this, was Starbucks, but this, this is like KD joining the Warriors. This is the KD joining the Warriors of the food industry, bro. This is a, a cemented. <sighs> this is Krispy Kreme donuts. This is look. This is arguably the best donuts in in, in the game right now. Krispy Kreme, we know how good Krispy Krispy Kreme donuts are up there. You know, for me. It's one of those things, you know, back home, you don't get Krispy Kreme all the time because it wasn't really around my city or nothing like that. But when we were around, you know, in, the, in those bigger cities, Orlando, Kissimmee area, you had to get some freaking Krispy Kreme <laughs> because you know how good those donuts are. And we know what McDonald's is in terms of the fast food. Now, am I going to sit up here and act like I eat McDonald's that, that much anymore? No, because I, you know, I care about my health to a certain extent. Same. I haven't ate McDonald's in I haven't a really McDo- long time, I haven't probably like three, four years. But... For somebody who's going to go to McDonald's or whatever, they, they, like now you have the option to get Krispy Kreme donuts there. It's easy access. It's definitely going to bring down the healthiness ratings of McDonald's. Isn't it still, it's not a good healthy option. But to get Krispy Kreme donuts at McDonald's, I think it's changing the game. It's going to be very, very interesting because so many people are just going to want to go to Krispy Kreme. I mean, McDonald's for, Krispy, because, Kreme. for Krispy Kreme. So and I don't blame them. I so, would do the same thing. So people are going to be like, hey, man, like the McDonald's fries, bro. That's I haven't had them in a minute. They hit. And it's just going to drive up the sales overall. Like like for me, I'm not going to go eat a burger from McDonald's or nothing like that. But if I were to go to McDonald's because I wanted to get some Krispy Kreme donuts, what stopped me from getting their fries? Their exactly. Fries, their fries are great. And as a treat, as a you know what I mean? If you're trying to be healthy, I don't know. You uh, you shouldn't be going to McDonald's and getting their fries and donuts from Krispy Kreme all the time. But as a nice little treat, some McDonald's fries, some Krispy Kreme donuts, you can't really beat that. Fact. Am I gonna sit up here and act like you should be getting you know a Big Mac and and and, a, and fries and a Krispy every day? Kreme? Definitely not. But for me personally, for someone who who I would consider myself somebody trying to to build up their health and, and be more cautious about what you eat, as a good treat. This is a great option because now you have easy access to Krispy Kreme donuts. Everyone loves a good old donut. And in terms of what McDonald's have on the menu, their fries are, it's fries at the end of the day. Like it's, it's you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's not, people say they're the best fries in the fast food industry. I'm not going to sit up here and act like fries are 100% healthy for you. But in terms of what you got at McDonald's, bro, it's, it's not like the most unhealthy option. Facts. Like a good, like a large fry from McDonald's with a couple donuts, they ain't going to kill you. And it's going to taste good as hell. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's, it will kill you if you eat it all the damn time. That's what we're saying. We're not trying to get you to eat. We're not trying to even get you to eat it necessarily. But, but we're just you, saying it's a good option. But it's a, a nice treat every now and then, like like a once a month thing. You know, you're treating yourself to a nice little something that you actually uh, taste real good. It, it's not the healthiest option, but it tastes good. Sometimes you gotta. Sometimes, bro, like I'm not saying you go and eat. You eat 
uh, candy and stuff all day, but if you eat candy every now and then, it's okay. It's all right. So it's the same it's thing right. with this. If yeah. you eat this every now and then, it's a good-ass option, man. For me personally, I could see myself going and getting a fry and a donut. I could see it. I could see it. I could see it, yeah. So now we got Chicago being announced. Ready? The city with the most rats for the eighth consecutive year. Like, what, what are you doing, Chicago? Like, you have to fix this problem, bro. It's, it's, it's a bad problem for the city of Chicago. It's ironic to a certain extent that Chicago is the city with the most rats, considering the terminology that rat has kind of picked up in, the, in this modern area. It's ironic to a certain extent. Of course. But, you know, the rap game aside and the rats and the snitching, all that aside, because it's a funny joke, you know, but... This is a serious issue for the Chicago area. I mean, this is a big issue. I mean, they need to fix this problem. And and there's a lot of issues with Chicago, and ultimately it just comes down to you know for some reason, maybe not for some reason, they they it's a liberal state and they're not getting the job done. Yeah. Not, they they the, the the political powers that be in Chicago are not getting the job done to fix the city up. And honestly, man, the government needs to step in, man, they have to. because they bro, they have to make it to where if they know the amount of rats. Or they can estimate it, the amount of rats in a city, and it's the eighth consecutive year, bro. They have hella rats. Like, they're beating the other cities by, they have to be beating the other cities by a lot. It can't even be close. So, they have to have a limit on the number of rats that can be in a city, because that just causes diseases. It makes your city just look nasty. I mean, if I'm the U.S. government, man, Chicago is, 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 it's, one of the biggest cities in that and central it's a, region. And honestly, man, some parts of the Chicago are beautiful, man. Some of the parts of Chicago are but beautiful. But that's what I'm saying. If you think about the the the, the central kind of United States, Chicago is one of the the hubs. Exactly. It, it's a big city in terms of like the, like obviously you got LA that's on the coast and you got New York that's kind of on a coast. And then you got Miami. At the coast. Exactly. In terms of the center of the United States, Chicago is one of if not the biggest city there. Facts. So if you're going to go to the central of of the United States, Chicago is probably where you're thinking, oh, let me go to Chicago. It's a big city. Any tourist does not want to go to Chicago when they're the rattiest city in America. It's making the U.S. look bad. And if the government steps in, bro, they have to ha- take some type of funding away from their city so that they are able to step in. But they have to they have to punish the city somewhat for these yeah, it, policies. It, it has to. It, 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 I don't know who, who, who's 100% to blame, but somebody is, needs to be held accountable. Of course. Because if I was a resident of Chicago... It, it's it's, it's it, I wouldn't want to live there. I would not want to live there knowing that it's the rattiest city in America. I would not want to live there for the eighth consecutive year. I mean, it, it makes it look bad. I mean, I've never been to Chicago, but I mean, do I plan on going? Maybe one day, but not until they turn up t- their animal control times a hundred, man. They need to turn it up. Not until they fix this rattiest city in America problem because it, it, it's getting Eighth bad. consecutive year. It's bro. getting that's bad. Just crazy, it's bro. bad. It's crazy. It's bad. It's bad. That's crazy. Bro. I remember back in the day, people used to complain about the New York rats, man. Imagine these rats, boy. Chicago is going crazy. Bro, think about it. You want to you go check out the Michael Jordan statue. You want to go check out a Bulls game. You can't do that without seeing 500 rats. And check out a, yeah, I was going to say, check out a super rat the size of a cat. You just can't. Man. They need to fix that up. I don't know who's to blame, but somebody is to blame for sure. Somebody is to blame. Is that it? Yeah, man, that's it, man. I think, I think we're done here, bro. Ready to wrap this one up? I'm ready to wrap it up. Well... Well, we appreciate all of the continued support we've been getting on all the other episodes, and you know we're we'll continue to run it up. We got some bigger, uh, big things planned in the future, 
and we're going to continue to uh, you know keep working, and we appreciate the support we've been getting. Subscribe on the channel if you haven't already because we are still on the road. I don't even know what number we're at right now. When we started recording, it was 277. We appreciate everyone who has subscribed. We'll continue to subscribe. And, you know, you got anything you want to say before I wrap it up? Yeah, I mean, keep, like I said in the beginning of the episode, keep up with the comments and the engagement, and we'll be able to take those ideas into consideration. And, yeah, I, we appreciate and love all the support. And even if you guys don't, again, even if you guys don't agree with what we say, like, we want to hear with what you got to say, man. Exactly. We want to see the comments. Exactly. So I think, yeah, we're good. We're good, man. So with all that being said, man, thank y'all for checking out episode 24 of the Shooter Straight Podcast. It is your co-host, Zach. I'm your co-host, Blue. And we will see y'all the next time, episode 25, coming soon. Peace. Peace. Continue to shoot it straight.